Ladies and gentlemen, the United States has been invaded by Chinese communist authoritarians and the incoming president elect is compromised. His son has accepted money from Chinese communist connected individuals and the, the incoming president actually flew his son on government property to China. All of that was true, right? I'm pretty sure I got it right. Yeah, Air Force Two. They Air flew Force together. Two. Now, as for the beginning part, I'm joined by China Uncensored, the host. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? And then would you would you like to fact check what I just said? I'm not uh, certified by fact uh, by Facebook, <laughs> so I don't really see that my excellent. Then it must be true. It must be. There we go. <laughs> so who are you guys? I'm Chris Chappell, the host of China Uncensored, and I'm Shelly Zhang, uh, the humor ninja of China Uncensored. <laughs> That's right. I'm not funny without her. Mm -hmm. Right on. Luke's also hanging out. We got Luke Rukowski chilling over here. Yep. I have to say, I am disappointed, angry, and frustrated, Tim. Um, the Emmys never got in contact with me for my amazing acting yesterday. <laughs> with your little arms. And if Andrew Como could win an Emmy, so can I. Oh, Anything Mo. could happen. And also, specifically, thank you everyone who reached out to me through uh, Venmo and Cash App through Luke We Are Change. I got like 500 bucks. It means a lot to wow. me. Thank you oh, so awesome. much. Uh, the community here, I have to say, is utterly amazing and super funny. And uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you guys a lot. Thank you. We got a lot to talk about today. Of course, we've got Sour Patch Lids over producing the and corner, pushing push all buttons. the buttons. Um, so I opened by saying that the, uh, the United States is being invaded by Chinese communist authoritarians. What are your thoughts? Well, I did. I might have suggested that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why I said it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, essentially, that is that is the big story. That's how we kind of... Um, found ourselves making a satirical show about China news. It's that uh, the Chinese Communist Party is having a tremendous uh, influence in U.S., yeah, well, the entire society, in, in politics, in media, in uh, local level to the federal level. And, you know, not a lot of people were talking about it when we started the show in 2012. Uh, it's coming out now, though. Yeah, so, so uh, I've, been, I've been covering quite a bit of news for a long time. When I was working for the company Fusion in 2014, they actually did cover a big story. I think this was the uh, Nicaraguan Canal. Are you guys familiar with uh, the Nicaraguan Canal? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. China was essentially trying to bypass the Panama Canal, and it was a ridiculous project that would have destroyed a large freshwater aquifer and been very, very disastrous, but ultimately, ultimately got abandoned. So there have been reporters I've seen who have been tracking this stuff, but... It's never making, as far as I've seen, the big headlines, the front page of the New York Times, the things that are going on with China buying property in all of these different countries. Like they're buying up communities in certain places, owning all the land, and they're doing oil exploration in Africa, South America. They've got a ton of influence with security services in some of the, in the South American countries. And it seems like probably, I would say, in my opinion, the biggest threat to the United States and probably probably to what we would define as liberal democracy or you know, constitutional republic like the United States is Chinese sub uh, communist subversion. I mean, I think that's definitely true. And around the world, every time we talk to a, hmm. uh, you know, human rights activist from, you know, from Bolivia, from Cambodia, from Mauritania. Yeah, like they are always talking about how China is basically infiltrating their countries, paying off their dictators, um, putting their countries in debt, taking all their national resources. Wow. So, you know, this is like very... It's been happening for years, and people are only starting to realize it now, I think. Might be too late. Uh, it's, I it's... don't think it is too late. Um, it's, definitely, it's definitely getting close to being too late, but it uh, really depends on 
just the general American public, uh, not just the American public, but uh, in liberal democracies around the world. Uh, you've I don't seen know. Le- LeBron James said China good. Steve Kerr too. Yeah, yeah. That's that's LeBron James is famous. He you know? and he's, he's actually he's really very good. He's more famous than us. Yeah, that's right. True, yeah. So he goes up there and he tells all these people, "Nah, chill. It's cool. China's all right." Well, no, People the NBA right. has had a huge backlash. Specifically, this was one of the major turning points, I think, in the past like year or two of people becoming aware of uh, the influence the Chinese Communist Party has. When uh, Houston Rockets uh, well, general, general manager, manager Daryl Morey, he like tweeted something in support of like the protests happening in Hong Kong. Huge NBA has like a four. Well, he tweeted free Hong Kong. Yeah. And like the NBA has a huge contract in China. Four billion dollars. Is that about right? Oh, it's it's a lot. Yeah, uh, and yeah. So there, there was talk of like them firing him, and uh, there were even like Americans who went to basketball games, like holding like free Hong Kong signs. That yes, were, like, I remember. Doing, like, so yeah, Americans down stuff. Yeah, so this was a case where like people saw, oh wait, Americans are being censored in America because of what's happening in China, and so that was a big moment of like you know maybe LeBron James, maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> the yes. NBA had a basketball camp in Xinjiang. <laughs> where yeah. the Uyghurs are being imprisoned. Concentration wow. camps. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh my they, God. They only stopped that like a month or two ago, like this year, wow. that yeah. like they had a partnership with a, a Chinese, you know, organization that was doing a basketball game. Well, camp. that's great. They could have waved to the uh, Mulan production crew. <laughs> yeah, as they yeah. So, yeah. also, very interestingly, there's some reports coming out of Australia that Nike, that of course hires LeBron James and is almost going to make him a billionaire, that they're u- also using using some Uyghur Muslim slaves in order to produce some of their products, sneakers, and of course, also the NBA jerseys that a lot of the NBA players wear. What do you make of these kind of reports coming from Australia? Do you think they're legitimate? And do you think there's any credence behind them? Well, I think I think one sad thing that does need to be mentioned is that you have companies like uh, Apple and Nike, like actually lobbying against a uh, bill going through Congress right now about forced labor in China. They don't want it to pass. And this is the big issue you see that, uh, you know, if you treat China like a country that has concentration camps, you can't treat it like a normal country. Yeah. We should all be investing money and doing mm-hmm. a lot of business. With yeah, it's great. Buy their bonds. Don't buy their bonds. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the uh, it was a, <sighs> the Australian Strategic Policy Institute that did that study. Um, and they're they did a lot of research into this and it's pretty mm. legit. Like, I don't think it's, uh, the Chinese communist party got really pissed off about them publishing that. Like they're basically punishing Australia right now with a big trade war. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. and one of the things that they were mad about was this particular think tank talking about the Uyghur stuff. Like they had this like 14 point bulletin of the things that Australia has done wrong. And that was on the list. Didn't the Chinese government release a fake video of allegedly an Australian soldier hurting a small Afghani? It was a photo. Yeah, okay. it was it was a propaganda poster. Jolly Jen. Like art illustration. So, so, yeah. so I think it's safe to say that relations between China and Australia aren't really the best right now. The funniest thing that happened recently is the fact that they stopped Australian coal imports as wow. part of this trade war thing. Wow. And now there are several cities in China that are running out of power. Because they were dependent on these unnecessary sacrifice for the and, greater good. You know, good. so now like there's reports that they're like doing like rolling blackout kind of things because they're running out of power because they 
like stop the Australian coal because they want to punish Australia, yeah. they shot themselves in the foot. They're also in a really uh, critical situation with food supplies because they had unprecedented flooding this summer. That's right. And so they've been importing more grain than ever. Like it's up 30% from the previous year. Uh, Did the, the, the floods were, were, were hitting Wuhan, right? Uh, yes. You, Wuhan has had a very bad year. Interesting. A very bad year. Of all the cities. Huh? Yeah. I, I suppose there's other cities that had bad years, though, in China, so it's not well, just Well, yeah, they probably all had yeah. pretty, a pretty bad year. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's jump to the first big story. Uh, before we do, make sure you guys smash that like button and share this video. Share the, the podcast if you really do think we're doing a good job and, uh, you know, help support the channel. But we have this uh, breaking news coming out of the State Department. And I'll tell you the first and the weirdest thing. Nobody's written about this. We were sitting here waiting all day. There's a big announcement. Mike Pompeo said executive action was coming later today. It was going to be big news. And a lot of people were wondering, would this be Trump firing off that executive order over foreign election interference, finally taking control and winning the election? And uh, no, it's U.S. imposes sanctions on People's Republic of China actors linked to malign activities. So there's a lot to do with mass surveillance, military modernization, human rights abuses, and the South China Sea. And it's about sanctions against specific members of the Chinese Communist Party, who, of course, the State Department, uh, Trump's administration have been railing against a whole lot. So it's not what a lot of Trump supporters were, uh, Trump supporters were crossing their fingers for, but it is still pretty significant action. From the, the, you know, the latest actions we've seen from the U.S. government, one of the biggest impacts that I can say will, will, will hit you is that when you go to Best Buy and you want to get that fancy little gimbal to film things with, or you want a drone, you ain't going to get it. U.S. government adds DJI to commerce blacklist over ties to the Chinese government. American companies will be forbidden from exporting technology to the drone maker. So perhaps we can still end up getting it here. It doesn't seem like it'd be likely. I don't know. What, what, do you guys know about this? What's going on with the DJI thing? I think it's generally they've been added to this uh, blacklist. That means that U.S. companies can't export technology to them so they can still send it here then yeah i think like okay. huawei can still for example sell phones in the u.s but they just can't you know buy u.s like semiconductor chips that's kind of weird because it wasn't like part the part part of the reason why we weren't buying technology from china is because they're putting secret stuff in it to spy on us mm-hmm. yeah I mean, <laughs> yes no. okay all right uh, but i think like legally this commerce department entity list is only like can prevent u.s companies from exporting things or t- from selling oh, technology to them Right. Yeah. So, but you're allowed to buy whatever you want, I guess. Yeah. So, I think it's about time we uh, we ramped up. This is my opinion. Maybe you know you guys are the experts. Um, maybe we should sanction China to a, an absolutely absurd degree across the board until they end what they're doing to the Uyghur Muslims. Well, you'd need to get uh, Wall Street on board with that, and that might be pretty challenging. Um, I, I, I got a shed full of pitchforks and torches. <laughs> yeah, you got you got a couple thousand people. Maybe maybe we, we can occupy Wall Street. And hey, uh, has that ever been tried before? I don't think so. Have careers ever been <laughs> now, built on that before? <laughs> now, interestingly, I don't it actually it, it was tried. They never actually did. They never made it to, to Wall Street. They went to Zuccotti Park down That's the road. True. I was I was there the day they walked into Zuccotti Park. It was oh, wow. weird. Yeah, very weird. But uh, we, we have what Disney did Mulan in, you know, where they were, where, where they're where they have concentration camps. And then they thank um, in education it, camps. Right. They're not saying it was 
Concentration. They're just, try, they're just training. trying to... Vocational training. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. To lift them out of poverty. Isn't that what And to said? prevent extremism. That's Got right. It. Yeah. Yes. 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 It's all the for only. the good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Disney famously thanked the... Uh, what was it called? The Xinjiang Public Security Bureau. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A country that has public security bureaus and ministry of security. You know, yeah. Just, Amazing. And they, they kind of defended themselves by going like, well, we were just supposed to thank the, you know, the areas that helped us, you know. We filmed the, lots of places. Yeah. Some yeah. had concentration camps. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> some some of the people we thanked were responsible for those concentration camps. You know, mm-hmm. it happens. Yeah. yeah, it's not that we're thanking them for the genocide. No, no, it's no. that we're just grateful that some of these people won't be alive anymore. <laughs> well, well, the official. <laughs> it's a Family Guy joke, by the way. <laughs> the, the official Chinese communist stance is that this is vocational training centers that are a part of a poverty aviation scheme to help train poor <laughs> rural workers to learn Chinese and find employment. And they have to shave their heads and make them wear jumpsuits, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's almost it's almost like a beautiful work of art, the way that they've managed to make all this propaganda feed into each other, because one of the biggest propaganda elements that they use in China is, we've lifted millions of people out of poverty. And they'll use that as like, a human rights thing like they'll be like whenever like human rights day rolls around like december 10th uh they'll be like you know our biggest human rights achievement is <laughs> lifting millions of people out of poverty even though they destroyed the economy uh in the first place and then when they backed off and stopped you know controlling everything and let people make money again people lifted themselves out of poverty but the other part of it is they kind of use that to cover up all their other human rights atrocities so if you talk about you know, being out out of poverty is a human right. That's that, that's so it. so so. Just you know, we kind of made some. Uh, I guess we can call it a, a a dark humor, crude joke, very very dark. But I but I did kind of rip off Family Guy in that one from, from in my defense. But uh, considering the actual severity of the things that China is doing, particularly in this particularly in this area. Shouldn't we stop American companies from investing in this kind of stuff, or from having factories, from having production in China until they stop doing this? Yeah, as I said earlier, it's it's an issue of like people don't think of China as like a horrible authoritarian regime that has concentration camps. They think of it because China has been very successful at a soft power push and buying off. It's called elite capture, uh, basically buying off politicians, people in the media, Wall um, Street, like you said, Wall Street. Uh, so it's just an issue of like most Americans don't know if like Americans really understood what was happening. I don't think they would tolerate Nike trying to you know shoot down a forced labor bill i mean that they're doing it they, they are doing yeah, that yeah, but yeah. i don't think people really know about that no they don't and that's kind of scary you know i've had i've had conversations with uh, uh i had a friend i have a friend from ukraine and when i was there during the big you know 2013 24 i think it was 24 well, 2013 when they had the the big protest that ultimately led to separatist movement and conflict I was talking to a friend who uh, was talking about how she's going to make the world a better place, very lefty, leftist kind of mentality. And I said, but do you really believe that? I mean, the computer you're using was made at the Foxconn labs in, in, in China, where people are walking off the buildings in mass suicide because of how horrific the conditions are. And she had no idea. And it actually made her cry when she, she was like, wow. I, but I'm trying to help my people. I'm like, yeah, yeah. She was like, I'm trying to help the world be better. And I said, no, 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 no. You're trying to help yourself and your community. And I'm fine with that. I can respect that. You know, you want the people in where you live to do better, but you realize the fact that you have that computer and that phone, you have people working in essentially slave labor conditions jammed in these tiny boxes, and it's so bad 
they they actually put up suicide nets around the building to catch people from just walking off the edge. I was like, when you give them money, you're propping that system up and you're actually making it worse. That kind of made her, you know, it's kind of harsh. Yeah. And, you know, she kind of had a hard real, realization of what was going on, you know? Well, actually, I think to an extent, if people were focused more on building up their communities, uh, you know, the, the issue is like the, when China joined the World Trade Organization, like American manufacturing got gutted, lots of jobs went to China. You know, it's, it's insane that because of, you know, various regulations, it's cheaper to make stuff in China and sail it all the way around the world rather than having it made you're telling me, man. Down the street. Skateboards. Really? Skateboards. The wood comes from Canada. Uh-huh. They ship it to China. They make it into a skateboard and ship it back to the U.S. Now, some of that's been changing a bit. Uh-huh. Now, some of the manufacturing is done in Mexico. But that was always the craziest thing to me. They're like, we make our boards from 100% pure rock Canadian maple. And I'm like, wow, where's your factory? In China. Mm-hmm. So you get the wood from Canada, send it to China, and then send it back? That's insane. And, th- and that is the cheaper option exactly that's something and it's because the people in china are being paid trash and there's no you know look if if you hire someone in north america guess what you got to pay taxes you got to pay health care and you you got in in, in many circumstances and the wages are typically much higher so these big companies have found a way to essentially extract what's what's left of the value of the u.s and china has found a way because what essentially happens is the American workers lose their jobs and make no money. Then they eventually can't even buy the product. So the rich people extract the money from the poor people. And then the people getting paid are in China. And then eventually there's nothing left for the people in this, in this country. Yep. It's a, it's a win-win for the super rich. That was essentially a blueprint of what Henry Kissinger, Richard Nixon, and David Rockefeller had proposed when they went to China and quote, opened up China to the rest of the world. And that was such a significant meeting. And we still have to understand the person who, who essentially blueprinted this, who made this happen, Henry Kissinger, He's still around being rewarded and seen as some great kind of diplomat. Meanwhile, when we actually see the ramifications of his actions, the consequences are severe and they don't work out in anyone's favor except for the super rich. So I don't know if you guys know a lot about the opening of China, but I think you guys probably know more than me about that. Well, gosh, that's a huge Did you topic. see that uh, Kissinger was in the news a few weeks ago for advising Biden uh-huh. to... Basically, Go reset soft. relations with China. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So the same guy who made the blueprints is now telling Biden what. Well, to do. Trump. Yeah. Trump fired him. He did. He, yeah. he, uh, he purged the advisory board of the Pentagon, which included Kissinger. I, I was I was honestly shocked to hear that he had a position that he could still be fired from. I know. Right? I mean, that was, <laughs> the man and he's advises. Still alive. He advises the Pope. Okay. Barack Obama's national security advisor said that he, no, 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 there's a different one. I, I believe his name was O'Neill, said that he takes his daily orders from Henry Kissinger when he was the acting national security advisor. Jeez. So, so Kissinger has a lot of influence, a lot of powers, but we see where his allegiance lies, especially with the policies that he set forward that had these huge ramifications and essentially destroyed all the manufacturing, blue collar, middle class jobs, and they took them and replaced them in China, where now we have all of our goods, all of our resources sent to them to be processed by sometimes slaves, sometimes the Uyghurs, sometimes by individuals who have no other option but to make your little goods and they send them back to you so the super rich could sell you them on Amazon and Walmart. Walmart, Walmart, by the way, who's investing in in Wuhan. I don't know if people knew this, but Walmart is investing a huge, substantial amount of their profits to Wuhan of all places in the world. So it's a safer investment. Think about it. 
In the United States, we protect the little guy to the best of our abilities. Not perfect by any means. The elites certainly extract value and can suppress and oppress, you know, uh, workers and unions and things like that. Not that unions are perfect at all by any stretch of the imagination. But with you know, investment into China, you know that if your company is successful, the Chinese Communist Party will put the boot down on anyone who dares oppose you. So you think about the risks in the United States, labor laws, healthcare. Ugh, why should we have to worry about the little people? The elites in this country have found a way to extract the value, partly by sending things to be manufactured for dirt wages in China. And then once they've gutted the manufacturing base of this country and everyone's settled with ridiculous debt, and the only way people can think to get a job is to go to college, rack up massive debt, and then they can't find a job. Oh, that sounds familiar. The elites will just leave. These are people with tons of money. They've probably got money in Panama or wherever they were storing it, Cayman Islands or whatever. And they can easily just be like, well, you know, we've extracted all that we can out of this country. It's nothing left but a withered husk. Time to go to China. Invest in the in the real estate or, or the companies there. And then you have protections based on the authoritarianism of that nation. They're kind of screwing themselves, though. Really? I don't have to say that because mm-hmm. they believe the Chinese Communist Party will not screw oh, them. Yeah. And That's it's right. completely like so many people have been screwed going into China. These businesses, tech companies... Um, famously, a few years ago, there was like a U.S. wind turbine manufacturer made the solar, uh, not solar, the wind turbines for wind power. And they found out that they're a Chinese joint venture partner because legally you must have a Chinese company work with you when you go into China. Mm. You cannot as go well in as by yourself. Sells. You have to have, if you have more than 50 employees in China, you must have a Chinese Communist Party branch within wow. your company. This is law. Wow. Uh, and then they found out that their partner was basically replacing all of that they had stolen their property like intellectual property <laughs> and had replaced their the stuff in their wind turbines with their knockoff version wow and they that's basically amazing. were able to be, take away all of their business and this is not like an isolated incident it happened to segway yeah there was there was there was a chinese knockoff segway uh that stole their technology got so much bigger and then they bought segway Wow. Uh, and, <laughs> and then, like, nobody talks about it because you don't want to admit that this happened to you. So then, yeah. like, these companies go in, they get screwed. Uh, then the pharma companies go in, they get screwed. Hollywood goes in, Wasn't they get screwed. Wasn't Google supposed to go into China? Weren't they making a special they were in Chinese, Chinese, a Chinese Google search engine, which they scrapped? And aren't they still working on artificial intelligence with the Chinese government? What's yeah, the story yeah. with that? Well, so what happened with, like, uh, back in, like, 2000, was it seven, eight, nine? Google was in China for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were trying to, like, kind of work within the system, you know, censor some stuff. But then, like, they hacked. Gmail and got like yeah. the uh, information of a bunch of Chinese citizens, and they were, and then they were at, to their credit at the time, were like, we're we're uncensoring our search, kick us out of China, and then a few years later, they realized they well they removed "Don't Be Evil" from their uh, byline, yep. and uh, then they started secretly working on a censored search app. That's a really weird thing to do for anyone, even if you were planning on being evil, wouldn't you at least lie? But to Why? be like, we've once said we didn't want to be evil, but now we're kind of thinking, you know, go either way, huh? It was an interesting... Ch- I wonder who was behind that decision. They were, they like, were like, what happens if we have to be evil? <laughs> you know, and then people are going to yell at us. Let's just take it away. And then when we are evil, we'll be like, well, we got rid of that thing. That's why I don't blame them for what they were doing. I do think that Google's Project Dragonfly was one example of something where people made enough of a stink about it that they could not handle the bad PR and scrapped it. Yeah, even their employees were like, what? Because it was secret from the employees. Right, right, right. So, yeah, that's a good example. So, 
the uh, you know, go ahead. Well, so some somebody once framed for me pretty clearly, like if the Chinese Communist Party like actually like sent in planes and troops and tanks and like took over the United States, you know, started gutting it, the manufacturing, gutting like all the technology in Silicon Valley, replaced politicians, people would freak out and it would be like the biggest bloodiest insurgency in history. Mm -hmm. But they did it quietly with money and influence. So the same things are happening. They've bought off uh, a, a lot of people in in Hollywood and the media, and the same things are happening. Intellectual property theft yep. from Silicon Valley. Uh, so we have been invaded just what they call well, unrestricted I, warfare. I, I put it this way. If China invaded the U.S., started seizing large swaths of land, started uh, compromising our politicians and sleeping with certain California congressmen— and uh, stripping away intellectual property rights and uh, basically, you know, ha using our own companies against us. Censoring our movies. Then, then what would happen is the American people, mm -hmm. I tell you this, because the American people are lazy and complacent. <laughs> They'd roll over and be like, well, you know, I'm not going to do anything about it. We literally have Joe Biden, they say, is uh, going to be the president on January 20th. He's going to be inaugurated. And we've already had one of his former family confidants, Tony Bobulinski, come out and say, I believe Joe Biden is compromised by China. We have two investigations into the Biden family from Jim Biden, Joe's brother, and Hunter Biden. And we know for a fact that Joe Biden himself flew his son on Air Force Two to China for these private equity deals. My first question is, I don't care what you got to say about any of these investigations. Shouldn't we stop and be like, why is Joe Biden using government property to enrich his son? Why, why did he bring his son on this plane to negotiate this deal? That's suspect already. Father-son bonding. Yeah. Or outright and overt corruption by which 80 million people will support it. So I tell you, if the Chinese were like, we're going to take over your country, you'd have 80 million people screaming and clapping and cheering for it. Well, they don't. How are they supposed to know about the Hunter Biden thing? The media, like, That's actively That's censored true. that. We yeah. got, Social media We got well. smeared for covering that, actually. We wow. did. Yeah. That, yeah. that it was like, that it was far-right Russian disinformation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> despite the criminal investigation that is actually going on. And, and, despite, and, we, and yeah. we knew about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and despite the email that happened in 2017 with Hunter Biden asking a very, Chinese, a very famous Chinese energy tycoon best wishes for the holidays and asking him for $10 million. Or, or where yeah. he said, um, we're trying to get a room for, you know, the, uh, we're trying to get an office for, for everybody including this, you know, Chinese company, as well as Joe and whatever. They were office mates, I suppose. So, look, the, 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 there's, there's enough, I would say, circumstantial evidence to, in, in my opinion, warrant riots in the streets from the American people. And well, you said is, you had pitchforks here. Yeah, I have a squeegee. That's as close as I can <laughs> get to something quite. on a stick. To, so the pitchfork was a lie? Yes, yeah. it was fake news. I, I am disillusioned by this show. I do have matches, though. Uh -huh. they're, they're the really good ones. They're the strike anywhere matches. Mm -hmm. So you can hold it up and you'll look not nearly as angry. <laughs> yeah. You'll burn your fingers in like 20 seconds. Wow. Yeah, that's true. I think you can't use that analogy anymore about like uh, uh, torches and pitchforks ever oh, since yeah. ever since the tiki torches became like the wrong kind of thing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But uh, but so so, uh, you know, I'm looking at a lot about what's going I'm looking at a lot of what's going on, say, in, in New York and California. It's not just that our economy is being gutted, our manufacturing is being sent over to China. We don't even make our own medicine anymore. That was the craziest thing. We, we, we had a oh, pandemic, yeah. pandemic hit, and we're like, we need medicine quick. 
call China because we don't have any factories that can actually make it. The coronavirus really made a lot of people become aware of uh, of the situation. Like uh, when like medical supplies, even things like kettlebells, you couldn't get it because everything was made in mm. China. I mean, right now, it's really hard. to. It's it's still hard to get a lot of specific uh, uh, equipment, professional equipment, bicycles. It's all made in China. It's yeah. interesting on the medical side. Like we actually do do a lot of pharmaceuticals, but a lot of the raw ingredients. Mm -hmm. So the things that go into the drugs come from China. And yes. there's nowhere else that you can get them. And the and the craziest thing, too, is uh, rare earth minerals, right, which we use for, I guess, smartphones, among other things. Mm. We get them. From, we get it all, almost exclusively from China. Right. That's so my understanding. Japan does did recently find like a big but supply. But it's everywhere. It's actually not uncommon to find. There, it, there are rare earth minerals in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. we just hey, go for it, China. We're just going to give all of our money and keep printing it. Now we've got 35 percent of all U.S. dollars just being printed like crazy. We got Can't wait we, to get some. We've got. New York, California, Michigan, these states have violated the Constitution beyond any record. Like, I mean, listen, if you come out and you say, we need to have an argument about gun control. I understand the Second Amendment, but you can still have a right to keep and bear arms with some restrictions. There's an argument and people actually argue it. Although many people are now becoming rather 2A absolutist because of you know the riots and the craziness. But in, in, in uh, you look at New York, Andrew Cuomo was like, if you're protesting, you're OK. You have your rights. If you are pro Joe Biden, please come out, dance in the street and drink champagne together. But if you want to go to a church, never going to happen. If you want to run your business because you're running out of money and you need to feed your family, no dice. This is extreme degrees of authoritarian, despotic. I don't even know. Is, is there a word more harsh than I, I can get? Psychopathic malevolence. Where he's basically sent, you know, he had NYPD going to Jewish schools with children and the cops would point their phones inside the windows to film them to prosecute. NYPD police officers went undercover to a restaurant, ordered food, and then as soon as the person delivered it, arrested them. That's the level of uh, depravity coming from the likes of Cuomo. And no one, no one in this country is doing anything and the police officers support it. So, you know, to wrap, to make sure I'm, I'm not trying to get off on a tangent outside of the China stuff. When we hear that there is Chinese authoritarian communism and things like this, the American people seem to just roll over and take it for the most part in these blue cities. But but I'll tell you, I don't see the political willpower from Trump supporters or anyone who could do anything to stop it at this point. They're going to completely destroy the economy. And they already have. The federal debt to GDP ratio is now at 128.6%. We're, we're, we're dropping and collapsing so quickly. That when many people talk about Thucydides' trap, and I talk, are you familiar with Thucydides' trap? Mm -hmm. I talked about it quite a bit several months ago, that there's been fear for years that we will eventually get into a full-scale war, a hot war with China, because they're a rising economic power. Well, I guess there's one way to avoid it. Have our own politicians destroy this country from the inside out, and then there won't need to be a war. You know, I think uh, we, did this, we did this episode pretty early on, the coronavirus, called the cure for coronavirus is not authoritarian, authoritarianism. And it was based on the idea that, like, the Chinese Communist Party was trying to use their model of controlling the coronavirus, which is, like, locking people in their homes, like, you Literally know, welding them into their welding homes. Welding people in their homes, That's dragging crazy. people out of their homes to put them in quarantine, you know, uh, arresting people, like, beating people up for being on the streets when there was a lockdown, um, and kind of, like, providing that as a model 
for other countries as to like this is the way to deal with and you did the see coronavirus. Western yeah. media somewhere like hey you know it's it's might it might be a little authoritarian but it's working yeah like you know they they got rid of it so it kind of works so I think in a way like the things that you're talking about in New York or the excessive things that they're doing in California and the different places like you know it was almost. Like it was like it happened in China that they did this lockdown. Then it happened in Italy that they did the lockdown. It kind of gave permission in a way for all of these, you know, people, the politicians in different areas to be like, this is the way to deal with and it. Because it was China, modeled off of it. Yeah. And because China lies about uh, the actual coronavirus numbers, it seems effective. But the numbers in China are completely fake. It's, it's, it's obvious if you look at it. Yeah, I really wanted to ask you this, but it's kind of strange that these kind of top Democrats, even the New York City mayor today, Bill de Blasio, came out and just... Plain, plainly said, I'd like to say very bluntly, our mission is to redistribute wealth. So it's very interesting seeing these Democrats kind of mimic the language and some of the behaviors of the communist Chinese. But from your sources, from, from the people you talk to on the ground, what's really going on there? Did they defeat the coronavirus? Because we're seeing a lot of photos of them raving and partying and having these huge The marathon, parties. the street marathon. Yes. How does, like, how does, how do you guys make sense of this story of this deadly pandemic everywhere, but China's having street parties and raves uh, at the same time? Did their lockdowns work? Like, what, what, what's going on here? Well, first of all, I know you have some specific things you want to say about that, Shelley, but, um, like over the past couple of months, you keep seeing like certain cities in China declaring uh, wartime measures to fight the coronavirus because there's, oh, some rumor that maybe like somebody got a case and then suddenly they need to test 70,000 people in a city. And they can do that in like three days because it's a horrible authoritarian regime. But so you get the sense that uh, it, it never did stop. There is still something happening, uh, the extent of which we can't know. And I know you have some specific things you were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah, just the idea that you know, well, I mean, in terms of the numbers, there's no way to, like, you cannot, there's no way to even guess, because it's not really going to be based in reality, because... Like uh, the GDP numbers. The GDP numbers aren't real. Um, You know, there was, you know, China's been organ organ harvesting from dissidents, and, you know, it turns out that, like, some people did a study and found out that, like, the whole, since 2015, they've claimed that they only have organs coming from, you know, voluntary donations, <laughs> you know. Sure. Sure. I got a couple kidneys I don't need. Yeah. And then they basically, these researchers found out that their voluntary donation numbers and their transplant numbers were all fake. They all mimicked a quadratic equation. A perfectly. Really? A, wow. Almost perfectly. So, so, so are they, are they actually harvesting organs? They are. From political prisoners. Yes, they yes. are doing. Uyghurs, Falun Gong. Yeah. They're definitely doing organ transplants their official numbers are fake yeah yes yeah. surprise surprise isn't their real estate all fake too uh yeah uh yeah uh. <laughs> you know i watched uh, uh i was watching a video someone posted on facebook i can't remember what it was but maybe you guys know where a guy was explaining the the warfare strategy of china is exploiting the weaknesses of a nation that they accept so if you allow free speech then we'll support protests against you if racism is a very sensitive issue, then we'll inflame it and we'll just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And that what we're seeing right now is actually the fifth generational war full scale with China. They know that if they actually, you know, crashed some U-boats on the shores of California and ran in full speed, they might have a very large ground army, but the, the people would fight back and the Americans would win air superiority for, for one thing, plus all the aircraft carriers we got. So what they're doing is subversion. Manipulating our systems, stock market, buying land, control, 
You know, they're, they're, they're coming in. They're undermining all of our institutions. It's working and it's, and it's being, it's collapsing underneath us. And I wonder when we hear things like that from Bill de Blasio, these people like Bill, de, I, I look at the Chinese Communist Party. I think they're very smart, very, very, very smart. They understand why they had to have some kind of capitalistic system in their country to actually allow it to expand economically. Cause, you know, the things they were doing very early on kind of didn't work. Like, didn't they kill all these birds at one point or something? The sparrows. Yeah, the sparrows. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was like, didn't do anything, did they, it? Like, they had no. kids literally pulling grass out of the ground because grass was bourgeoisie. So, wow. like, clearly that stuff didn't work. But now you have people like Bill de Blasio, who clearly is not a smart person, saying, we're going to do this, you know, redistribute wealth. So it seems like they've bought and paid for as many elites as they can. You've got the Thousand Talents Project program or whatever out of these universities where these people are essentially spies. It's really amazing. They're not getting charged with treason. And then the way they've gotten a hold of universities is, is, is horrifying. We, we could talk and about is it. But is it, is it a coincidence then that the universities are the, are, the, are the epicenter for the most part of this woke, broken theory? Critical, critical theory that I've makes no sense. I've never heard about what you're talking about and have no knowledge. None whatsoever. No. <laughs> no. So no. no. No, no, never, never. Never. We're playing it safe, right, Shelley? <laughs> Super safe, apparently. <laughs> well, I think that in a way, like, the Chinese Communist Party is happy to see us destroy ourselves. But um, they don't really care if we follow communism as an ideology that's not really what they care about. What they care about is having the U.S. become weakened. And so they can continue to, you know, um, oppress all these other countries and like, you know. Specifically, they're growing influence in Asia Pacific. Yeah, definitely. So so uh, the, the reason I bring this up is we had a story in the New York Times. Uh, it was it was updated a couple of days ago, but it was from about a week or so ago where a university professor said we should not give the vaccine to the elderly because they tend to be more white and we need to level the playing field with minorities, which is one of the craziest things I've ever seen written in the New York Times where they outright said this professor believes older white people should die to balance the number of Harvard people. professor. Uh, no, no, no. University of Pennsylvania. Oh, OK. Oh, but at the same hey. at the same time, at the same time. From the College Fix, we have a story about Cornell, which is mandating only the white students get the vaccine. So the critical race theory stuff is completely nonsensical. It just makes literally no sense to be like, well, it's racist to give the vaccine to the, you know, to, to the white people. So we're going to give it to the minorities. But at the same time, only the white people should be forced to get it. It's like that theory makes no like none of that makes sense. Right. This ideology clearly has no no end point, no goal, no success. It's just chaos. And so when you see this coming out of universities, you see things like this, the Thousand Talents program. I'm not, I don't want to get too conspiratorial, but I think when you're talking about China trying to subvert this country and they have a program in which they buy out university professors, and then you have many university professors who are espousing nonsensical ideas that will only destroy this country, I kind of feel like there's some lines to be connected there. Maybe I'm wrong. The Thousand Talents is mostly about science and tech stuff, because what they really want to do with that is steal U.S. technology and bring it to China, literally right. paying professors yeah. to bring their research. Not, yeah. not, not to say that yeah. specifically they're using Thousand Talents to mm -hmm. espouse this kind of weird, you know, far left or critical race theory stuff. Just that I think if they're willing to do that in universities, would they not be willing to push this other kind of ideology because it eats us alive from the inside? I do think that the the critical race theory is interesting in the sense that 
the Chinese Communist Party is like what you said about the video where they'll use our weaknesses against us or our they'll use our strengths against us and yeah. make them weaknesses. So with the racism thing, that's one of the things that they've definitely be, been using. Uh, Especially to, in Australia. Well, in Australia, but also here to when people started blaming China for the coronavirus, that was definitely racist. It's racist <laughs> to talk about no, how no, it started. No. Asians, in Wuhan. Asians are white. Yeah, that's yeah. the, that's oh, the new that's thing. Right, yeah. yeah, I was I, I very was, happy to tell Shelley. Yeah, that. I was very disappointed to learn. I was actually, that. I was really excited because it turns out that I'm double white. Because yeah. you know, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So I get to be white twice. So is that like? Right. Is that more power? You have. Super I don't know. Privilege? Yeah, yeah. Does, does this mean super you, privilege? Yeah. Does that mean you are or aren't going to get the vaccine? Uh, well, for my allergies, I'm not. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Well, I actually do have allergies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, right. Legit. Allergies. Back to our topic. I think, I think. I think you guys were. Hey, talking. quiet down. We're talking about guys... something interesting. <laughs> allergies. Tell me more. <laughs> yes. I think you guys were talking about the larger divide and conquer agenda. And it is interesting to see a lot of special interests from China do give a lot of money to the universities. And it is kind of exemplified, as we saw with, again, I'm going to bring this back to Mayor Bill de Blasio, because his administration during the early onset of the coronavirus was saying, it's fine. Don't be racist. Come out to the Chinese Day Parade. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Don't, Don't worry. be racist. And then next week, he's literally threatening martial law, where even Andrew Como had to stop Bill de Blasio and said, wait, hold, hold on there. You're, you're pushing it too far. If you're going farther than Andrew Como wants you to go, you know you're a lunatic and you absolutely lost it. And he has been a part of this larger divide and conquer, supporting Black Lives Matter protests, openly calling for demonstrations. Meanwhile, telling you you can't have dinner with your family because it's going to spread the coronavirus and kill everyone. And, and this Black Lives Matter thing also, we have to admit here, is being exploited by the Chinese as there have been many Chinese diplomats that have come out and said, the United States is racist. There's yep. a, you know, look at, we, we support Black Lives Matter. Oh, there was yeah. even a police officer in, in Hong Kong that was screaming at American journalists there, Black Lives Matter, as he was beating the crap out of the dissidents in Hong Kong. So we have to understand, there is an element of this exploitation of our racial divide by the Chinese, whether it's being weaponized or just exploited, I think is is something, a topic of debate that I think we should talk about. I think the it's their favorite thing to bring up, and it's the racism, because... It's like that's the number one thing that they can like anything they can hit us with. They like, know it hits a nerve. Yeah, in the US. and it's it, it hits a nerve in the U.S. And also like it's everything they do is whataboutism in a certain sense. Where mm. like if you try to bring up human rights atrocities in China, the, the first thing they'll do is bring the uh, racism or whatever. Well, Steve you know? Kerr did this. Oh, remember, yeah. remember the NBA guy? Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't go around asking about our police brutality problems, you know, and, and, and we got we got issues we got to deal with. It's like, bro. You want to talk about police brutality? We can. You want to talk about concentration camps? We have to. Right. Didn't that happen with, uh, was it Mark Cuban? Somebody who... Oh, yeah. The... Who was oh, like, oh, man. That was also terrible because he was like, China is a customer. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we should... I treat China as a customer. Problem. But we should, you know, we should start in our own, like, clean up yeah, our own yeah. house. Yeah. Well, that, that's a fundamental problem. You need... They talk about China like it's our customer instead of, oh... The Chinese Communist Party has concentration camps and harvests the organs of people who have wrong political beliefs. I think that's one thing. Like Joe Biden came out with a with a statement d- during Human Rights International Human Rights Day, which was the tenth. And what was disappointing was that he kind of folk- he was like, "Yes, there are many human rights atrocities around the world," but then was like, "We have to talk about systemic injustices here in America and whatever." And that's fair, but it's kind of like it is it is 
very similar to Chinese propaganda in the sense that they're always talking about like, well, before you can talk about what's wrong in other countries, you have to clean. If you're not perfect, you cannot talk about well, anything else. Jordan Peterson says, clean your room, bucko. You know, you, you can't compare Are you saying the Jordan two. Peterson's yeah. communist. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's what I'm getting here. <laughs> I'm saying he's secretly subverting American. Okay. I'm kidding. Yeah. I mean, you can't compare the two. It's not apples and oranges when you compare Black Lives Matter to the Uyghurs, especially when you look at the kind of xenophobia and the treatment of blacks in China. And there was amazing, oh, yeah. incredible video that, that came out that was off stunning showing what was happening with the Chinese government literally blaming black people for the coronavirus yeah. inside mm -hmm. of China, kicking them, them out of their own homes, kicking them out into the street. And then, and then this is the country lecturing us Luke, about they, Black they, Lives Matter? They made a commercial where there's a black man yes, put into a washing machine. Yeah. And you guys, I'm sure you yeah, saw yeah. this. And it was it was it created an outroar an uproar in the U.S. because so so for those that haven't seen the commercial, there's a, a Chinese woman and a black man. She pushes the black man in the washing machine and he comes out Chinese. And there was a there was outrage in the U.S. And China's you know China's response was they're like ah you Americans you bite swa you you crazies you're so sensitive grow up. They didn't care. There was they also, also never the, do blackface. Yeah, the CCTV. You you it, can go ahead. Yeah. yeah, but every year they have this uh, communist uh, gala. New Year's show and yeah, last I think it was last year they had uh, like somebody it was dressing talking up about, in blackface. Uh, oh, the Africa, yeah, China like China in Africa and how they're like helping all the African people, and they had yeah. like an actress in blackface. Yeah. And <laughs> and as like every like so many of the uh, you know experts from Africa we've talked to are saying like this is colonialism, yes. this is neo colonialism. I, so I remember spending time in Africa doing reporting, and I was mm. surprised how many Chinese nationals were at the airport, at the hotels, and they're building and, a Chinese surveillance yes, state. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most importantly, I mean, I was in Kenya and and. Zimbabwe and Somalia, and even in Somalia, mm -hmm. I saw some Chinese nationals, which is pretty uh, surprising to say the least. But talking to almost every African, a lot of them brought up to me, the Chinese are here, they're taking over, they are the new colonizers, this is crazy yep. what's happening here. And I was shocked to the level of how many Africans were talking to me about this seriously, whether it was taxi drivers, whether it was waiters, whether it was random people that I walked to, into or was interviewing. They're like, you should really take a, take a look into China and how they're essentially taking over all of Africa and usurping all of our natural resources and buying off our politicians. And it was surprising because I didn't know about it until I was in Africa and actually saw it on the ground there. Well, this actually goes to a point Tim was making earlier about how the Chinese Communist Party is a threat to democracy worldwide. So there's the influence that the Communist Party is having in like the United States and Australia. But on, on like using Africa as an example, what they'll do is they'll go to dictators, horrible regimes and say, hey, uh, we'll give you money that the West isn't giving you and we won't tie, you know, freedom of the press or any of those things to it. We'll also give you Huawei technology to help you spy on and track down opposition leaders. So we will make you a more effective authoritarian leader. And so this is how, like every, every year, like a Freedom House, uh, organization, uh, rates like at the, the progress of freedom and democracy in the world. And like we've seen a backslide because of the influence of the Chinese Communist Party. It's this, there's these two competing spheres of power. And unfortunately, the authoritarian communist model of China is is rapidly growing. And if they ever take over Taiwan, yeah, that will be a disaster. I think. Do you th I think that'll happen under Joe Biden. Do you think so? Uh, well, so then we should be talking about like uh, Kirk Campbell and Jake Sullivan, like people who might be um, 
working for the uh, Biden administration, some of the things they've said. And it, it does seem... What, what are some examples? Who, and who are these people? Okay, so uh, Jake Sullivan was um, the uh, national security advisor to Vice President Biden. Biden wants him as the national security advisor. And he talked about how, um, like, he considers uh, China's rise, like, one of his great successes. He was working for that. And he and Kirk Sullivan, Kirk Campbell, uh, penned an editorial in Foreign Affairs where they, they talk about, um, well, like keeping the status quo with Taiwan, for instance. And China has promised to invade Taiwan. Yeah. Are they, they, they're doing beaching drills. Yeah. And they, uh, normally, like every year, there's like this message about peaceful reunification. They removed peaceful <laughs> this year. <laughs> Violent so, reunification. So, so, you know, what happens when the status quo is changed by the Chinese Communist Party invading Taiwan? What are the, what are they going to say about that? Kirk Campbell. Yeah, Kirk Campbell was also behind one of the biggest foreign fall policy failures of the U.S. since, like, the fall of Saigon with the uh, Scarborough Shoal incident. In 2012. In 2012. What was that? So the Scarborough Shoal, we actually went there. We'll see we can tell that story later. Um, it's like this uh, this reef kind of near the Philippines. It's very important to local Filipino fishermen. Um, it's in the South China Sea, and originally mm. it was kind of a place where Filipino fishermen, Vietnamese fishermen, Chinese fishermen, they could all go and fish in the place. Mm -hmm. It was claimed by several different countries, including the Philippines and China. Yeah. But then in 2012, China sends in its uh, Coast Guard and basically occupies the shoal. Um, Kirk Campbell leads the U.S. delegation to – because the Philippines are a treaty ally with the U.S. Uh, we have a mutual defense pact with them. Mutual defense pact. This might trigger that, right? That yeah, they came if in. If they and, come to blows, no. it looked like they were going to come to blows. Whoa! And so they 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 work out this deal where you know the Chinese will leave and the Philippine sides will leave and that'll be fine. Well, the Philippine forces leave, the Chinese forces stay. Yeah, sounds and about the right. U.S. did nothing under Trump. No, this was under this is 2012 under Obama. Oh, that's right. Wow. And this sent shock waves throughout the Asia Pacific because Whoa. suddenly this was like all of these other countries realizing. If the U.S. will turn its back on a mutual defense ally, what's going to happen to us? We, so Thailand began moving closer to the Chinese Communist Party, uh, wow. Philippines, South Korea. We also lost, lost South Korea when um, we were putting in the THAAD missile defense system. And China yeah. freaked out about that and yep. began a huge economic warfare against South Korea. No support from the U.S., I was, uh, uh, we, we were both, Luke and I were in South Korea and there were people protesting the, the THAAD defense system. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was controversial within South yeah, Korea. That is true. Yeah. That is definitely true. But so this was like devastating for the image of the U.S. Uh, all throughout the Asia Pacific. that was Obama. That was under Obama. And specifically, this agreement wow. was negotiated by. For a guy who loved war, you'd think he'd have done something. I mean, supposedly, I mean, Supposedly, somebody said, we're not going to go to war over a bunch of rocks. I Was that Kirk? It might have been I think Kirk it was Campbell. him who said That's that. insane. So, to, but like the wider geopolitical effect it, it had. Was, yeah, it was disastrous for the U.S. It was wow. terrible. And it allowed China to basically have free reign within the South China Sea. In general, I don't think they were prepared for that. I think that totally rewrote uh, their, their, their timeline of what they could do. Because after that, that's when you see them really building up artificial islands. And militarizing these are tolls, them. right? They like these these yeah. reefs and stuff. And they, does, yeah, now they have like missiles on them. Yeah, and yeah. when yeah. the U.S. says, "Hey, don't build those missiles," what do you think uh, China is going to do? Well, when when, they, uh, do you do you remember recently when they did the elephant march? I think it's called in Guam. 
elephant march. Yeah. So uh, when the strike group from China went through the, the that strait between ta- Taiwan and what's it called? Uh-huh. The, the oh, the Taiwan Strait. Taiwan yeah. Strait, I guess. Uh Trump had deployed bombers and, and heavy military forces to an airbase in Guam. And then they did, I guess it was called like an elephant walk or something yes. where you see all of these war, you know, planes going, you know, around showing them, look what we got ready to go. Mm-hmm. And then we retreated because the U.S. military found out that China has weapons capable of wiping out the entire airbase before those planes can get off the ground. So we were forced to pull back and retreat. Well, that also reminds me of that the Chinese Navy has more ships than the U.S. now, which are, are not necessarily the same equivalent in terms of technical capability. Yeah. But the U.S. military has just been so focused on the sandbox. Yeah. And not on well, China. I'll tell you, not that it's a, a one-for-one comparison and, or a comparison at all, hmm. but I think most people who play strategy games know the power of a wave of small troops versus one powerful unit. So we often hear from the from the the U.S. Uh, gun control advocates when they say, "Well, you think you're going to go to war against the American government? They have the cruise missiles." And the, the typical response is, "If you think, uh, if if that's what you think, you need to look up the history of Vietnam and Afghanistan. Mm. A handful of people with weapons is is going to outdo. You know, is is going to easily. I'll, I'll put it this way: fighter jets can't occupy street corners." So there is something to be said for China having more ships, even if they're not nearly as capable. Because, uh, you know, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, mean, I don't think you guys are experts on, you know, World War II and Russia, but I was reading about how Russia mass-produced really low-quality tanks that were getting hmm. blown up like crazy by the Nazis, but they just had so many. They just can't wave after wave of our own men. That until was kind of the AK strategy, right? The what strategy? The, the AK-47. Just, just be, like a cheap, yep. easy, like, yep. simple gun versus like the M- what was it, the M6? They like had all kinds of issues. The AK-47, yep. you could bury in the mud and still use it. Make something that is cheap but easy to produce and fast. And then, sure, the Nazis were able to blow up these Russian tanks, but they just kept sending wave after wave because they could just keep making them. Well, that's that Brannigan strategy. Exactly. Yes. Wave after wave of our own men mm-hmm. until well, they we run have, out of bullets. We have to understand, when we look at China's strategy now, it's it's pretty pretty brilliant. I mean... Historically, China hasn't been that strong because of its geopolitical location. But if they're able to offset the fight on islands, especially along very important trade routes, they're implementing a similar policy like the Japanese did during World War II. They don't want the fight in Tokyo. They want the fight in the Pacific. So this is the first beginning of this Chinese expansion, which they need because essentially they're landlocked and they're landlocked in not a strong position. When you look at their natural resources, they're not doing that well. As you said, they just uh, imported a whole bunch of grain because it's very hard for the Chinese government and the Chinese country to produce for itself. This is why they're also trying to expand their territory in the Himalayas against the troops in India. So we're seeing if China really wants to dominate the world, they're going to have to have a bunch of islands along these trade routes. And if you look at world wars, they always start along trade routes. So this is very key and, and one of the reasons why they're building so many of these uh, strategic locations that they're expanding in. So we have to keep it. Well, the, yeah. Five trillion dollars of shipping goes through the South China Sea. Yes. Yes. And so they need that seaport control. Yes. That's why it's so important to them. And the reason why they're putting the Uyghur Muslims in these camps is because they need total social control. People who adhere to a religion have a higher power. 
they need to be the power. Weren't they replacing image like religious images with like Chairman Mao? Recently? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, oh, that's well, been going she, on for a while. Yeah. Well, it's, also it's a, Mao. She, she, and, yeah. she and Mao both. It's the same strategy they've actually been using all throughout uh, the seventy years of the Chinese Communist Party's history. Like everything that's happening in Xinjiang now, uh, to a lesser extent, they did to the Falun Gong practitioners before that. And we were just talking to somebody from Southern Mongolia. Uh, which is inner Mongolia. Which is inner Mongolia. Yeah. They did a same wave of genocide in Mongolia that people don't really hear about. They did it in Tibet. These these are all the same things, just the same strategy, just being refined and refined. And yeah. we just don't stop. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something crazy. Uh, there was a period where, just I'll just say some some someone that I know very well would make you was it was a YouTuber, mm. and they got an email one day from someone who asked them to upload a video to their YouTube channel. Not to run an ad, not to do a promo, to straight, hey, would you, be willing, would you be willing to upload a video to your channel in exchange for $200? The video was some guy in New York talking about Falun Gong and how mm-hmm. backwards it was. But it was a really interesting bit of propaganda where the person wasn't saying Falun Gong is bad. They were like, it's so strange that we, we allow this weird cult-like religion in our country. Why would we do this? You know, we have these people and they're dangerous. And it's like a really, a really, wow. I, I said, I said, don't upload that don't take the money but people did so so they found channels that were small to mid-sized maybe 10 20 000 subscribers or more would just be like wow a couple hundred bucks i need the money and they would upload this propaganda piece from china wow yeah, oh, yeah. it's it's amazing like all the little pieces of propaganda that yep. are able to filter into the US. yeah can you guys explain some of the larger propaganda efforts that are utilized in china i know there's a crackdown on religions but are i also have seen videos of people rebelling and fighting against the the chinese government as well is there anything legitimately going on or is the propaganda so strong with the social credit score that there isn't any resistance at all hmm. oh okay um here's here's an interesting story that kind of ties ties into that um Though it's, it's, it might seem tangential. Uh, there was a story uh, this past year of uh, a Chinese student who was studying in the U.S. He did a he made a post to Twitter in the U.S. comparing Chinese Chairman Xi Jinping to the villain from Biker Mice from Mars. Uh, <laughs> okay, and then he goes back to China and is arrested for that. So the the first and biggest victims of the Chinese Communist Party's actions are always the Chinese people themselves. Yeah. Um, now I think you should tell the story about uh, Chen Guangchen, what he told you. Oh, yeah. We, um, Chen Guangchen is a, a, a blind Chinese human rights activist. He's the daredevil. He's the, uh, he, was daredevil. A, he, he was a barefoot lawyer in China, he, and he was arrested for basically trying to help women who had had forced abortions uh, because of the one-child policy, and he was just trying to help them get some kind of like legal redress and china is anti-choice and anti-life yeah, yeah just <laughs> both and then yeah. uh he was put in prison for years for you know traffic violations um wow and then he was put under house arrest for many years too but he managed to escape house arrest uh and uh make his way to beijing we had activists helping him and he made made it to the u.s embassy Wow. Uh, back in 2012. And the U.S. ended up granting him asylum. Oh, wow. Um, so we interviewed him last year, and he was talking about how, you know, it looks for, from the surface to a lot of people like the Chinese people as a whole support the Chinese Communist Party, especially because a lot of the Chinese nationals that you'll meet in places like the U.S., they're rich. And they're rich yep. because their families have some connection to the party. 
or uh, their families are party members. Like they have some kind of wealth that's tied back to the Communist Party. So, you know, and all, all the young people have been kind of brainwashed uh, to be very nationalistic. Uh, so they'll be very supportive of the Chinese Communist Party. But that's not the real case on the ground. But you can't know that because even on the Internet, Chinese people are very careful about what they say because they know right. that you're going to get sent to prison for, you know, saying the wrong thing on WeChat or whatever. So they won't say it online. And there, 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 there are videos I've seen where, you know, somebody might be filming in China and then they ask a question. The person will like go under their breath and be like, no, 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 I can't talk about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that's so he was saying that oh. there are people there are so many people who are against the Chinese Communist Party. But it is hard unless you have the connections inside China to know that they're there. I want to point something out real quick, too, because uh, there's a stereotype about Chinese people being really bad drivers, right? You've, you've probably heard it. Yes. Fa family Guy is a joke where, you know, just the other day we're watching Family Guy. There's a Chinese woman and she's like, how many, how, how long do I need to signal to change eight lanes? And then she just crashes <laughs> the car or whatever. But uh, I was talking to uh, this guy, I you know, who, who, who spent a lot of time, of, a, a, lot of, a, a lot of his life in China. And he said, what people don't realize the Chinese who can make it to the United States tend to be wealthier than those who are who stay in China. It's only possible. And many of these people have their own drivers their whole lives in China. They come here and they, they're not drivers. They're the wealthier people. So now they have to drive themselves. And so it's a class issue of where you end up seeing these stereotypically bad drivers. Not to say that it's legitimately true that, you know, every person is, is bad at driving. But he pointed out, you don't realize these are the wealthy people who are coming here. And that's why that stereotype, you know ends up coming about i mean in china people are notoriously bad drivers but that's also because they've only been driving since like the early 2000s really oh wow most it wasn't people long ago yeah it bicycles wasn't, yeah so mm. most people had not been driving that long so there's a lot of like you know the kind of traffic adequate that like the kind of stuff that's not necessarily a law but like people learn like you know you're gonna let people into the lane if they yeah. need to like merge or whatever that stuff doesn't exist yeah. right like that kind of culture because they haven't been driving that long. It's, it's pretty right. easy to just find like horrific videos of like like someone crossing the street and then just like at 100 miles an hour boom run over by there's a lot uh, of yeah. videos they, there's a huge emerging middle class in china which is looking like it's going to be a problem for the larger government it's very interesting to see how they're going to address that problem but very interestingly when you talked about the one child policy i automatically thought about many american elites uh a lot of specialized uh, high level individuals like ted turner that are fans of the one child policy and have complimented it uh before on the american stage as well so there it is interesting to see the, the kind of ties to a lot of these individuals i actually talked to ted turner and i asked him if you believe in the one child policy as as you as much as you do and and as much as you advocate for it why do you have four children he didn't like that question. But again, well, it's, it rules for yeah. thee, but not for me. Come of course. On. Yeah, yeah that's, that's how it is. I mean, some animals are more equal than others. <laughs> the, even the one-child policy, nice. the, the one policy was a failure. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And the Chinese government kind of knows it, but they can't say it. Because they is, can't admit they made a mistake. Yeah, so they, that's why there's now a two-child policy instead of a mm -hmm. one-child policy, because they realize they screwed themselves with the uh, oh, yeah. population control. And, and just a big picture for a moment. The Chinese Communist Party has concentration camps, harvests organs, and for many years it was illegal to have a brother or a sister. Wow. Well, yeah. there were some, there were some, like, In this the is, rule. Yeah, is it like, there, the thing with Chinese law or policy is that, like, it's very unevenly actually, it's kind of like they have, like, a decree from up top and then, like, it's up to the local 
officials to implement it. And they do it very unevenly depending on where you are. So if you're in like a wealthier area, maybe you just have to pay a fine and you yeah. can afford it to have another kid. Uh, in the rural areas, like that's like the more disadvantaged you are, like the more likely that it's going to be like you get hauled into a van wow. or a forced abortion or something like that Jeez. because they have to make an example out of you. And also the terrible thing was that a lot of these family planning policies, like the one child policy, they were a way for local governments to make money. So if they couldn't find you, then they would make an example wow. out of you. And uh, that even like, you know, in the 90s, a lot of people were starting to adopt chinese girls like right, for, right, in the u.s and other mm. places they were like oh well girls aren't wanted so you know yeah. we're and gonna now adopt 30 them. million more men well, right so that, I was, that's what i wanted to ask yeah. right did they create this imbalance where there's not enough women for the men now they did but also there was like something that weird that happened where there became a black market for chinese baby girls Whoa. to sell to be adopted in the u.s what because like they would like let's say you had a, a second child and it was a girl and you didn't want to give the kid up they could take the kid from you and put it in an orphanage and the local government could be like this baby was abandoned mm -hmm. and wow. then so you had cases of like families where like their kid was literally taken from them and then you know the adoptive parents like usually pay hundreds or maybe a couple thousand dollars to the local government for the adoption so the local government wow. is making money off of like stealing kids and selling them to be adopted to the U.S. So cool, yeah. Wow. yeah. And sex trafficking is such a huge issue. Like I know the Trump administration uh, uh, sanctioned or not sanctioned, but like uh, called out China for human trafficking. But yeah, that's that's a big way they're dealing with this gender imbalance. Uh, yes, uh, sex trafficking came from lots Myanmar, of North from North Korea. Oh, wow. You know, from like yeah. Our our show it's got lots of funny humor. It's it's you, fun to watch. Do you think a hot war is inevitable or possible in our lifetimes? I, I mean, it depends on a lot of factors. Um, I think it would be more of a, a slow. The worst case scenario I think would be a slow choking death for the U.S. Uh, the U.S. I doesn't do happening. anything. It, it but it's not over yet at this point. I don't I don't know if I agree. It's if they ever invade Taiwan, that will be the the moment. If the U.S. lets that happen, that's that's I, probably I, horrible. I think Joe Biden yeah. will. I yeah. think you've already outlined the people he's surrounding himself with, and I didn't even know about that. What is it, the Scarborough Shoal? Yeah, that's 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 horrifying. Biggest foreign policy failure since like the fall of Saigon, and like hardly anyone knows mm -hmm. about it. And they and they scream, you know, uh, Trump is the worst, and Obama had no scandals. And that's shocking because look, he you, wore a tan suit once. That's that's yes, true. That's right, yeah, see, yeah. see, I think you know uh, one of the things that Luke and I talk about a lot, especially I think most people when it comes to the Obama administration and foreign policy, is clearly the Middle East, Libya, Syria, for, for really good examples. The drone strikes in Yemen, things like that. I didn't even know about that. That he essentially abandoned our allies in the in the south in the southeast in Southeast Asia. I think they started to realize towards the end of this Obama's second term that they had kind of screwed up in Asia. There was the pivot to Asia. But it was kind of, it ended up being more of a PR kind of thing than actually mm -hmm. policy. I, I, look, I think, you know, we had the TPP. It didn't include China, but, you know, these, these free trade agreements that uh, the Obama administration was very much in favor of, the things Joe Biden has advocated for. When I hear Tony Bobulinski, you know, he's a guy, he's, he's, he's the guy who basically blew the whistle on the Biden family, yeah. say they're compromised. When I hear, look, there's a lot of things we can call Hunter Biden for, these equity deals, the $5, the $5 million forgivable interest-free loan. 
But Joe Biden. That was a nice deal. That was a great deal. It's great. They say, you know, Joe Biden wasn't involved in any capacity, but I got to bring it up again. You know, he actually flew with government property, Air Force Two, his son to China for these private equity deals. It, it didn't go through. You know, but that's part of the connections. It did and go through. It did go through. It did go through. The thing wow. about that private equity deal is like the Hunter Biden lawyer came up with a denial. But if you read the denial, it's actually very cleverly worded because a lot of people don't know how private equity deals work. I didn't when I was reading about this Hunter Biden scandal at first, uh, when it first came out a couple of years ago. So I thought, oh, well, like the what the lawyer said is correct. Like he only put half a million dollars in or whatever. And but like the truth is that that money, like the private equity deal actually did go through and it's involved in a really weird way with Chinese state-owned corporations where it seems like why would these state-owned corporations need this private equity firm made out of just Americans so, to come in because like they're the state-owned corporations are essentially the banks are lending money to the state-owned corporations. Right. There's no reason for like a Western private equity firm to come into this. So we, we heard that uh, that viral video, D. Dong Shang, I think this pronounced mm-hmm. the name, oh, I yeah. guess. And he said, you know, now that Biden is in, you know, Trump talked a lot about his son Hunter and how he built up this wealth. And then he says, who do you think got him that? And the audience laughs. And he says, got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you see things like that, okay, with the Air Force Two scenario, the private equity deal, I tell you, man, uh, I believe Tony Bobulinski that that Joe Biden's compromised. And this creates a very, very nightmarish scenario for Americans when we're watching specific states. You know, I'll single out the Democrats on this one that are essentially using the Constitution as toilet paper. And then you have the real threat that China is it looks like they're preparing a ground invasion of Taiwan. Is that, is that fair to say? Is that is that too bold? They're definitely preparing ground invasion of yeah. Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to know how close they are to actually being able to pull that off. Um, it's difficult. But it Joe, can only happen at like two different times of year. It's Joe, a very narrow weather. Right. Joe, Joe Biden's not going to defend him. Well, so I think the at, at an absolute minimum with the Hunter Biden stuff, at an absolute minimum, he had like – he had a point secret service watching over him. It's impossible that Biden did not have – Joe Biden did not know something was happening. Yeah. Uh it, it just is too much of a stretch of the imagination. It, it, look, if 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 you guys are even somewhat jokingly, but it seems very serious to say that Chinese authoritarian communists or Chinese communist authoritarians are invading this country, they're subverting it. And you've got these people coming in the Biden administration who you say are proud of what's going on. You know, uh, uh, Luke mentioning Henry Kissinger advising Obama's national security advisor. Is that who it was? Yep. Then at what point do the American people have to rise up in the streets and, and do something about it? When you buy those pitchforks. So you're saying if I, if I buy them right now, if you, you buy it, the they will come. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you buy it, they will also, come. What, what time of year would the Chinese invade Taiwan? It's if like the, March. October and April. March the, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, the weather, it's just impossible. Yeah. As soon as Joe Biden won, I, 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 the first thing I said, this is not a loss for just Donald Trump. This is a loss for Taiwan which essentially is being isolated, not just by China, but also larger institutions like the World Health Organization that don't even recognize it as an official country. But another thing to really consider here is is that also, you know, it's it's not too late. It's not over because China also has their own problems. Uh, when we Good look point. at their financial systems, it's mm-hmm. in it's 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 just as fake and Political artificial as the United States. When you look at their, their 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 huge population of men, when you look at their natural resources, when you look at the problems that they 
they have within their own empire, you see something that is not as strong as the United States right now, which is something important to highlight. There's one thing I have to say about that is that we did this in terms of like we gave China the money. We gave the Chinese Communist Party the money Mm -hmm. to be able to build themselves up. We built their uh, surveillance system. Yeah, we built the Great Wall. Cisco built the Great Firewall for the Chinese (laughs) Communist Party. Amazing. Um, You know, we like... Like MIT all these researchers invest- have given them uh, DNA sequencers to like oh, you know, places in Oregon. Yeah, Oregon yeah and like that, the DNA sequencers are being used in Xinjiang to like monitor the Uyghurs. But I think like the mistake we're making now is giving them more money. Um, the Di Dongshen thing that you talked about. Yeah. Most people have seen like the seven minute version or like some of the clips where he talks about Biden and things like that. But the full 18 minute speech that he gives, most of it is actually about US China decoupling economically. Really? And how, you know, he was like, the U.S.-China should decouple, but why are we inviting, um, you know, Wall Street to come in and buy our bonds? Why are we inviting them to come, you know, establish their companies in, in China? It's very smart, and I'll tell you why we should do this. It's because whenever we, you know, we go invest in Wall Street in America, like we use the U.S. dollar, we're playing their game. Because we have to use the U.S. dollar, that's how they can sanction us. That's how they can have a trade war with us. What we should do is invite them in, and then they're playing on our turf. If if they're investing in Chinese bonds and Chinese stock markets, Chinese companies, then we get to call the shots. Wow. That was his speech. And I think one of the things is we don't listen when they tell us what they're going to do. They've been very transparent. But but this is is true of many communists even here in the U.S., they often will scream exactly what their plans are, and the American people kind of just roll over and ignore it. Yeah, is this why BlackRock is getting involved in China now? Yeah, I mean, they're being promised that, like, you know, China because BlackRock is thinking China has 1.3 billion people. Yeah. we get our mutual funds in there. You mm-hmm. know, our like, pensions, our yeah, bank accounts, yeah. our money, American money is in BlackRock. It's one of the biggest asset management firms in the world. We're talking about trillions of dollars. And now they also are getting bailouts by the Federal Reserve, but they're now working with the Chinese. Yeah, Americans they are invested in ways they don't even know. Yes. Uh, um, Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, last year made a speech at like a big gala dinner for this U.S.-China association that was, uh, and it, he was talking in front of Henry Kissinger, um, in front of the Chinese ambassador about how great China was. And, you know, they've, it's so great that they've lifted so many people out of poverty. Um, you know, praising them using like China prop- Chinese propaganda stuff and then saying, but like, you know what? There's still a lot of people who need help in China. And, you know, BlackRock can, you know, we can go in and we can, you know, provide that type of support for, uh, you know, the Chinese people and help them make more money using our services. And you know you who know? else is really invested in BlackRock? Uh, Comcast, which owns wow. like NBC, MSNBC. Yeah. Which also has not really been reporting much on the whole Eric Swalwell, Fang Fang. New York uh, Times didn't even cover it. Fang Fang, is that how you say it? I say Fang Fang. Fang Fang? Technically, with my very good Chinese pronunciation, (laughs) it would be Fang Fang. Does this play into the global reset for for you? The great reset. Great reset. We actually have somebody on our team working for our other show, America Uncovered, uh, working on an episode about the great reset, kind of looking at what they're saying. It's actually weird how, well, I'm, I'm repeating what he has told me. But uh, that in like the actual speech, it's very vague what they're talking about. It's just like kind of ideas, but nothing specific, which is very resetting global capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. But what is 
What does that mean? Redefining capitalism for fairness and, of course, equality. It, what, it, what it means like is that. giving yeah. money and power to massive multinational corporations. That's what it means. And then oh. they can bring that money to China. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. China There's money to be made. I, I got a question. Is the gutter oil stuff true? You know about gutter oil? Oh, uh, yeah. That was definitely something that was happening inside of China. Wow. Uh, do you want to explain to people what the gutter oil thing was? Uh, what was it? It was people were... I think Vice did a documentary about it. That's why I learned about it. So they were basically taking used oil and kind of... From the sewer, right? From the sewer. And then straining it and reusing it. Oh. Yeah. As there like were cooking videos oil. Yeah. that yeah. I couldn't quite stomach. Often we make the other member of our team, Matt, yeah. uh, do the <laughs> watch the things we don't want to watch. We made him watch the Hunter Biden sex videos. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. Uh, I think yeah. we scarred him for life. Yeah. Well, so so I, I, I saw those. I, I remember watching a video about this gutter oil and what was happening. People found essentially free. So they would take, you know, scooping devices of some sort and go into the sewer lines and scoop out refuse and then strain the oil out of it, boil it, and then use it to cook food and sell street food. On, and, and people get sick from it, guaranteed. Because it's uh, my understanding is that it wasn't even necessarily food oil. It was just oil. Mm -hmm. So they might be using oil from, you know, spilled out of a car or something. And it mixes in, they boil it down, and they cook with it. Yeah. And people eat it. The yeah. Chinese Communist Party just, like, blew up any kind of rule of law within the country. And so it just became really horribly corrupt. I think the gutter oil thing, too, is like one reason why Chinese people don't actually trust a lot of the food in China. It's been regulated now, so I think it's not as big of a problem as it was yeah. a few years ago. But um, I don't know if you know about like the milk powder scandal that happened back no, in 2008. No, yeah. milk powder um, scandal. Um, these babies were having like yes. weird deformed heads and stuff like what? that. And it turned mm -hmm. out that like these farmers were putting melamine, like the plastic melamine, like melamine to fluff it up to make the protein levels look higher. Somehow, like whatever <laughs> oh, wow. test they were yeah. using for protein, oh, like melamine could fake the protein level. So they were buying kind of like extra melamine shavings from factories and putting oh, them in the milk. Wow. And it was making babies really sick and killed a few of them. Kidney stones, like problems. And they, first of all, covered up this whole thing because it was happening right before the Olympics. So like wow. they covered up this for as long as they could. And then it kind of broke right after the Olympics happened. And then Chinese people were like outraged. They executed the mm -hmm. head of China's Food and Drug Administration because <laughs> yep. someone it, had to take the fall. It also Jeez. created a lot of tension between mainland China and Hong Kong because as Chinese people knew about this, they started going to Hong Kong yep. in mass to get baby powder same Baby with, same with Australia and New Zealand. They started, like, yeah. Chinese people would go buy, like, formula and stuff from Australia and New Zealand in bulk so that yeah. you could not actually yeah. get it if you wanted it for your baby in yeah. Australia. I remember being in Hong Kong and being like, why are all these people walking around with suitcases and why is there no baby formula anywhere and why are they buying it up all the time? And, and then that story yeah. broke and there was a huge controversy. But you see a lot of these kind of stories with fake meat, with fake fruit, fake vegetables. What are some of the most shocking ones that haven't made the headlines in the United States that you guys picked up on that really raised your eyebrows to say, holy cow this is crazy any specific food well the thing that comes to mind it's not quite that but um just thinking of covering up everything that's happening with the coronavirus yeah essentially happened with sars uh it was the same thing uh outbreak of the disease they tried to cover it up it spread around and actually this is the main reason why taiwan has done so well with the coronavirus is because they suffered really badly from sars so they they basically established a team that like was permanently set to like monitor 
the outbreaks of infectious disease within mainland China. And so back in December, they were already like raising warning flags about, hey, something's kind of spreading around. Maybe we should be on guard. Whereas the rest of the world, being very uh, financially invested in China, uh, did not have uh, was was not paying any attention to that. Uh, that's not quite as ex- yeah. exciting as milk. But uh, I got a, I got a photo. I googled the photo of, of, of gutter oil. Oh, mm. I've seen this is crazy. It's a woman and she's got it's like a long stick with this like a it's a the big ladle, ladle basically. Yeah. yeah, and she's got a bucket. She's pulling sewage. It's she's lifted a sewer cap up and she is pulling sewage out and they were filtering it, boiling it and serving it to people. Yeah. Wow. You know, I think back to the days of snake oil in the wild, wild west. And you see, this is why I'm kind of a liberal and I'm, I'm OK with the regulation because <laughs> I, I, you know, I know the story about the, the Cuyahoga River, the, you know, the fire burst in the river and we got to, you know, clean up our water, clean up our environment. This is the kind of stuff that nightmares are made of when. It's just unrepentant. It's just corrupt. It's just power by any means necessary. Yeah. Actually, that makes me think of, what was it, Upton Sinclair? The, the, was it the jungle? The jungle, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably that picture does more than like anything we've talked about. <laughs> like, just look at them. Look at gutter oil from human. <laughs> oh, no, it, it hits you in your stomach. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, oh. yeah, I, I remember. It was, it's, it's, there's a video from Radio Free Asia, I think, going back to uh, 2013 or so, where they show... The process of making this and that that's crazy to me yeah but, i mean i think they've they realized that that was like a really bad pr thing for them but there's probably yeah. a bunch of things like that still going on to this day mm-hmm. we just haven't learned about yeah. well there's the wet markets that the chinese government said that they were getting rid of because it could have been potentially where the coronavirus came from and now the wet markets are back right now which is another important aspect that people need to understand yeah so, so well so yeah. this is this is important can you guys break down what the wet markets are i mean um, largely it's like just a normal kind of outdoor they market. They play a critical role in a lot of people's lives. Because China. there's not, like, in terms of, like, the food supply chain, a lot of people actually buy food from the wet markets. Is it just, it's like, what, like, they have meats and foods out on, like, yeah. ice or whatever? A lot of stuff yeah, is so, like, a lot of it is, most most of it is just vegetables or, like, meat or whatever. Some of it is, like, living animals. So, you like, in China, a lot of poultry markets, they're, like, live chickens or whatever, and then you get a mm-hmm. chicken, they'll kill it for you. Um, but then some of these wet markets have like weird exotic animal stuff. Like and, bats. Yeah. Peng- or, pangolins. Uh, pangolins or, oh, really? yeah, like different. I think because people were first saying that like the wet market in Wuhan didn't sell bats. So, but maybe it went through to a pangolin basically. But like there, and there was like a famously like a picture going around of like a board at, from this wet market talking about like how you could get like crocodile or like all these different like exotic mm. animal. Oh, wow. But like that's yeah. not. Like, that's kind of, like, not most of what wet markets are. So wet markets are kind of necessary for their, like... For Chinese people to get food. food. Yeah, but the... Plain food. But, like, the kind of, like, exotic animals, like, living exotic animals and stuff like that, that's where you... The poultry, too, um, that's been a problem with, like, avian flu in the past. So that's where you kind of get into the trouble where... Like, weird diseases could come up. Hey, wouldn't it have been nice if there was an independent investigation into the origin of the coronavirus? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you guys, where, what do you think happened? Because the official story, according to the, uh, the communist government, is that this was the wet market. There's some people speculating that this was because of the gain-of-function research that was happening at the Wuhan laboratory. There's other people making up other theories. What do you guys, happen, what, what do you guys think happened uh, specifically with China? Well, well specifically, in leaked internal documents from 
the World Health Organization showed that they made a deal not to investigate the origin. Wow. (laughs) Right. The wet market was like, they don't say it's the wet market anymore. Like, actually, what they're trying to do is blame every other country they can mm-hmm. instead yeah, of they're saying they're saying australia right it came from australia it came from italy maybe it, maybe it came from frozen food that was imported into china like they're just trying to they don't it's even say it's the wet market anymore uh i mean i think at first i thought well it's pretty likely it did come from a wet market because that's what's happened multiple times with bird flu right and yeah. sars was a similar situation but um you know it seems that there have been earlier um, outbreaks than what was associated with the wet market outbreak. So it's not really clear anymore. They're covering it up. And this is the reason why they're going so hard against Australia now. Well, one of the reasons they're going against Australia, but they were asked, they were demanding an international independent investigation. Makes sense. And they hit Australia hard. I, I was reading about the Spanish flu, the, the 1918 uh, flu uh, pandemic. Uh, please don't call it the Spanish flu. It's, you know, diseases happen everywhere. You you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Well, uh, interestingly, there's, a, there's several theories about where it actually came from. Mm-hmm. And so the two leading theories that it actually wasn't Spain. It was, uh, it came, there was, there was World War One basically, and you had a lot of people were in the, in the trenches, they were dirty, they were sick, they were injured, so when they came back to the U.S., they were bringing it with them, mm-hmm. and it actually started to mutate and expand and get really, really worse, uh, a whole lot worse in the U.S., but uh, some have said it came from China, and yeah. the evidence for that, they say, is that China did not experience, they did not get hit hard by the, the, the flu pandemic, and the reason they think is that it originated in China, as a weaker strain, the Chinese people gained a, a herd immunity to it. It made its way to, you know, through Europe to the U.S. And by the time the mutated strain had come back to Europe, they already had herd immunity to that similar strain. Mm. So they were less impacted by it. Oh, interesting. It's interesting to even, you know, go back 100 years. Now, there are academics who are saying, you know, especially Chinese academics saying, that's not true. You're lying. You know, uh, it was you. You're dirty and things like that. I had and a moment where it's like 100 years ago wasn't 1918. And, uh, <laughs> so old. But yeah, just uh, China back then was also an entirely different yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people, that, was, that was before the Communist Revolution, right? Yeah. And I think uh, an issue people sometimes have is like they conflate all of China's 5,000 years of history to what the Communist Party is doing now, right, right, right. which is which is grossly inaccurate. The Chinese Communist Party is, you know, communism is a Western ideology that came to China yeah. and basically it's the Dark Ages. Wasn't yeah. that didn't something happen where they melted down all of their like uh, plowshares and, and the great leap? The great leap. That's forward. where they did that. What was that all about? Why did they do that? Well, so Mao wanted to increase uh, steel, steel production. production, and so there was this insane thing where just everyone, like everywhere, like in hospitals and schools, they were all melting down metal to make steel, and it was not like. Steel you could it use. Bad, it's called yeah. what, what was it? Pig, pig steel? Iron? Yeah. Pig, pig iron. That's yeah. it. Pig iron. Yeah. And like, like it was completely useless. You can't make a walk into like steel beams that you can use for anything. Yeah. yeah. And, and because it was like this, you know, top down state mandated thing, farmers like had to keep up production. And so they like there were issues of them just like using their farm tools. And then Famine. Starved to death. There was many reasons the famine happened. Yeah. Uh, from the uh, Sparrow campaign mm-hmm. where they killed all the sparrows because they the sparrows ate the seeds and so you got to kill all the sparrows but the sparrows also ate the, the locusts the the, the culture yeah. revolution was when they started purging all of the traditional yeah, that came after yeah yeah so so uh, can you explain the culture revolution 
So Mao basically it felt that he was losing control of the party politically. So he um, announced that like the party had kind of lost its way, that like the party was becoming too bourgeois. So they needed a cultural revolution uh, within the Communist Party to kind of purge the party of counter-revolutionary elements. And he gave power to the Red Guards, which hadn't existed before. They're kind of these groups of like young people who were, you know, basically worship Mao. So he basically used the Red Guards to, um, so he could take power from the people that he felt in the political system who were trying to like take, he was also very yeah, paranoid. Yeah, so yeah. he felt that they were trying to take power from him. So he used the Red Guards to basically uh, cause chaos in society. And like there are different factions of Red Guards and they would fight each other in the streets. Um, you know, like the whole Chinese society ground to a halt, essentially. Wow. It's kind of hard to like talk like for anyone who didn't live through the Cultural Revolution to kind of like get the real flavor of it. I've heard described from Chinese people who lived through it that it's like we went crazy for 10 years. Yeah, I mean, it was really much worse in the beginning. And then towards the end, it kind of started to peter out a little bit more. My parents were both alive during the Cultural Revolution. And um, they would talk about it, but like they wouldn't really talk about like all the bad things that, that happened for a long time. And then they started when I was like a teenager actually talking about like my mom said she watched the students in her she was in elementary school she watched other students tie her teacher up wow. and beat her wow. what because yeah. like you know any authority figures mm. were considered like you know possible counter-revolutionaries or there were wow. different phases yeah. of it where like you could be a rightist or you could be a counter-revolutionary you could be rightist. like wow. like you could uh -huh. be like there could be a lot of things that like Sound a, familiar you know uh -huh. yeah uh, well, you definitely know, you know you could be a like if you were a fascist you if you were you were like oh you you might be related to a landlord like if your fam family yeah. used to own land before the uh, communist revolution then you were you know like you uh, you were like a black force yeah. like there or were if you all were these tied to the kmt at one point how, yeah. how many people died during this period and do you see any parallels with what's happening culturally in the united states i well i do think the cultural revolution like nazi germany is a point in history that like we should all learn something from because how a society gets to that point it's 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 something we all need to be on guard for because it was people were killing yeah, are, they we, were killing are we people. are we on track to that point well, so for example, like one of the, like people would call like somebody a counter-revolutionary. And like, I think it was, nobody really knew what that meant. It was just like, that's the bad thing. Yeah. Like and a fascist. Like, or yeah, or like how some people use far right. What does that or mean? Alt right. Alt right, far right. You had well, people spying on each other. You had like neighborhood committees that were set up specifically to watch whether anybody was getting out of parents line. Parents had to be afraid of their children. Yeah, you had children who, like children were taught in schools to like spy on their parents to see if they Sounds were a like counter-revolutionary so and mm -hmm. you know you had people who actually denounced their parents to the red guards and the red guards killed their parents and they thought that they were doing the right thing that's wow. creepy stuff well yeah. we all know about you know germany uh, during world war ii mm -hmm. but when you look at the lives lost then and when you compare it to the chinese cultural revolution and the leap forward it's it's insignificant uh, what, are, what are the estimates? What are the numbers? Because I know p there's a lot of debate uh, specifically going around how many people passed away during this period of time. What, what do you think it is? Well, it depends on who you listen to. For yeah. example, uh, according to the Chinese Communist Party, the Great Leap Forward, there was, there was no Great Famine. Oh, no. Because there was mm. a couple of years of bad weather. No, it was, okay. it was wow. called the, you know, it was like three years of natural disasters is yeah, what they got. Yeah. So it was like, it wasn't Mao's fault. 
you know, it wasn't the party's fault. It was totally a man-made disaster. But like, if you listen, it's like, you know, years of natural disasters, like it wasn't our fault. Um, the cultural revolution, they don't want to talk about even now. Um, right after Mao died, they admitted that he was 30% wrong, but 70% right. And then he, they blamed it on his wife and the gang of four. So they basically found other scapegoats that they could use so that they could still use Mao as like the great helmsman. Or and whatever. that gives you an idea of how bad the Cultural Revolution was. The party does not admit any wrongdoing. Wow. And it was so bad that they were like, okay, maybe Mao was not like 100%, 100 on yeah. the ball with that. And, but it was his wife mostly. So I have a, I have a friend, uh, I mentioned, I have a friend in Ukraine, and she was telling me how uh, when I was at her apartment, it's like these old Soviet communist block buildings mm. that neighbors who would have disputes, the easy way to resolve a dispute was they would just call, you know, the police and say, my neighbor is saying, is bad mouthing the party. Mm. And then the next day, the apartment would be empty and the person would be gone okay. off to the gulags to I, go break rocks. I know a story kind of similar uh, from somebody I spoke to who lived this in China, like, uh, again, top down government regulations there was mao said there was a specific number of percentage of the population in each area that would be counter-revolutionaries uh and would need to be purged so there would be meetings where like the local people like the they have to decide who is the who is burn the, the witch basically <laughs> and what it was is like it would they would just wait until like the first person had to leave to go use the restroom and that was them. And that was him that was him <laughs> My grandfather actually got arrested in China, not during the Cultural Revolution. This was, you have to understand that the Cultural Revolution was the biggest and worst of these political campaigns, but they never stopped. Like, wow. you know, organ since, harvesting of Falun Gong. Yeah, yeah. Since the Chinese Communist Party went, came to power in 1949, in the 50s, there was the anti rightist movement. There was the uh, 100 Flowers campaign where Mao was basically like, I'm going to let 100 Flowers bloom. Please come criticize the party so we yes. know how to do better. And then they, basically rounded up uh, and imprisoned and killed all the people who criticized the party. Yep. Uh, you know, so then you had the, the Great Leap Forward, the Cultural Revolution. It was um, a test. Yeah. Oh, there, yeah. In the they 80s. Failed. Yeah, they did. In the 80s, there were things like um, my, my grandfather was arrested during one called the Anti-Spiritual Pollution Campaign, which you, was like the too many Western elements are coming into China. We need to like purge of you know, spiritual things. You yeah. know what I would do? I'd be like, I, I have a criticism. The Chinese Communist Party is too good. It, it, it's just too good. <laughs> that wouldn't work. It's there, too good. In the Cultural Revolution. It'd be like, that's was, a good criticism. There was this movement where, uh, I forget which country it was, but somebody gifted Mao mangoes. It was um, Pakistan. Okay, Pakistan. And mangoes mm -hmm. were like totally unheard of in China at this time. And so then there became this cult of people worshiping Mao's mangoes. <laughs> no, I remember this because what happened was, oh, I don't remember this. My father remembered this. He told me the story many times. Like, oh, he remembered it. Yeah, he remembered it because um, the prime minister of Pakistan gave Mao this like mangoes. Mao gave them to the people. Like he went to like a particular factory and were like the workers in this factory should get the mangoes. And then the workers of the factory were like, Mao gave us these mangoes. We cannot eat them. Like let them become <laughs> like symbols of his like love for the people, you know? So then they literally like paraded the mangoes around the country. There like, are propaganda photos where it's like the mass of people and somebody holding up a plate of mangoes. There is literally a propaganda movie where they're marching down the street with mangoes. Uh, and it's a huge parade of people. Oh. And then, like, mango. Take, 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 take a look at this. The cult of oh, mangoes. Look yeah. at this. There's Gosh. paintings of someone holding up mangoes. And there's little yeah. trophies. Yeah, yeah and they yeah, would make trophies. these. They made these, like, what? fake this mangoes. Mao's they... Miraculous Mangoes. Oh, that's our episode. Yeah. Oh that, that is, yeah. Yeah. 
So they made these fake mangoes that they then like brought around to all the different places in China and were like, look at look upon Mao's mangoes. And my dad went when they came to his village what? to like see the mango. And he remembered like everybody was so excited to see the mango that came from Mao. And then later he realized it was a plastic mango because obviously the mangoes <laughs> wouldn't have like yeah. lasted that long. But at the time, everybody really believed that this was one of the mangoes. Like from Mao personally, yeah. And in in that episode, we talk about a story of where, like one guy who was like, "Oh, it looks like a sweet potato." They executed him. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, let, let's be honest. If there's one thing that communists are good at, it's sending people to jail and killing them. So at least they're good at that. They're really know? good at killing people. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. great. Hundred million or more? What is it? More than that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. We were talking to somebody about you know. Oftentimes, people will say, "Oh, well, you know, they're they're great technocrats." There. In China, and and that's actually like a, a horrible thing to, to to. It's what it is is like they have these soulless solutions to problems. Like if you have too many Falun Gong people, you need some organs. Simple technocratic solution: take their organs, sell it. It's become a huge business. There you go. Yeah. And then I think the well, thing with us admiring the technocratic ability of China. Like when you see in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, they're talking about like, you know, China's technocrats that build these like huge skyscrapers and these like high speed rail. Which are not just GDP scams. You know, (laughs) or high speed rail, which they stole from Japan, like all of this kind of stuff. And like, we admire that um, in a way. And like, we're like, being this this way technocratic is good. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we don't, it's like taking the morality out of it. Because if you don't talk about, you can't say genocide. If you talk yeah. about genocide, then you have to kind of grapple with what is actually happening in China. Oh, maybe yeah. we shouldn't be well, doing business yeah. there. Well, another aspect that kind of really worries me with the technocracy is the development of artificial intelligence, which we know China is rapidly working on with some of the biggest corporations in the world. Mm-hmm. How do you see this kind of race, which Vladimir Putin has kind of described as building the next nuclear weapon, which he described artificial intelligence as? specifically in relation to China. Well, it's not just it's not just AI. There is this bigger problem of China, the, the Chinese Communist Party obviously has no moral regulations on things. So they're able to invite scientists from around the world to come to China and do uh we we spoke to a geneticist about this. They they can do any this is, this is getting into Alex Jones territory yeah. now. Uh congratulations for not being banned for <laughs> having him on twice. Thank you. Um but yeah, they can, they, they offer scientists and businesses from around the world just unlimited sums of money to do whatever. And, uh, you know, because there are no privacy laws in China, these big tech companies can have access to data that would be illegal in like the United States. You know, the best organ transplant breakthroughs in the past decade have come from China. Wow. Oh. But, um, uh, because people don't, believe that the forest organ harvesting is happening there, even though there is copious amounts of evidence that this is happening. For example, uh, I remember this specifically, the Kunming Kidney Disease Center had a promise that if the first transplant didn't work, they would keep doing them until it did work and wouldn't charge you. And if you know anything about transplant, it is impossible to have, like, a bunch of kidneys lined up. (laughs) Yeah, there was a story that broke. first, you don't succeed. There was a story that broke this summer where a a Chinese woman who lived in Japan um, had to go back to China for... This is a heartwarming story. Yes, for a heart transplant. It took them three hearts before (gasps) she got one that she could, like, that worked. Um, And, like, it was, like, it was was actually, like, you know, 
portrayed in Chinese state-run media as this great thing that like she was the the you know the country cared about her so much the party cared about her so much that they no. brought her from Japan and they gave her hearts until it worked you know and they accidentally admitted that they had you know Oh this like organ well, bank of prisoners or whatever. We, we, you know, at least I've laughed at some pretty dark things, but it's the sheer absurdity of how awful it is. And it's just keeps happening. It's been happening. I mean, how the, 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 in, the insane stories that we have go back, what, to what, when, when did this all start happening in China? Well, which specifically are you talking just about? Just like the, the, the Communist Party. Oh, the Communist Party was doing insane things uh, even before it successfully yeah, so China. We we have stories going back, you know, how many years is it now? Is it 80? It's a, it's, a, 70, it's 100 years, 100 since, years. since the party, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100 years of the most psychotic things you've ever heard and it's only getting worse, it seems, with new technology being given by the West. Yeah. yeah. And we sit here today and you know, how long have these concentra- uh, concentration camps been going on? At least since what, 2000 17. Well, if you're talking specifically about the Uyghurs. Probably yes. since 2015, they really started well, to Falun, round people up. Falun Gong before that. Falun Gong, 1999. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was like black jails or just the prison systems, uh, military hospitals. I, we, yeah. we, we were supposed to, uh, you know, never let something like this ever happen again. You know, the people of the world. We've let it happen twice yeah. within the last 20 years. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And, and Disney's... Clapping for it. Oh yeah. And the and and how many users does Disney Plus have? Like a hundred yeah. something million or whatever. And then the head guy no. is going to become the ambassador to China. Yeah. yeah. I think he'd be a great ambassador. Yeah. But we're watching all of this happen. We know it's happening, and for some reason, it's just going to keep happening. Well, the media has completely failed on the story of organ harvesting. Uh, that you only really started to see any reporting on organ harvesting uh, in the past year after uh, a group called the China Tribunal which was led by a guy named Sir Jeffrey Nice, who oversaw the war crime trial of Slobodan Milosevic. Uh, they spent like a year, they spent like a year looking into it and like ruled like, this is definitely happening. This is not a conspiracy. This isn't something being made up. And they're in this tribunal. There was an interesting story where a former New York Times reporter, D.D. Kirsten Tatlow, uh, was in China. She said she overheard officials talking about organ harvesting. It was harvesting. two doctors. She was at, like, uh, she was doing stories about organ harvesting, but not related to the forced organ harvesting, related to the idea mm-hmm. that China was going to start using organ donors. And Which is a lie. And then she said, okay, she was at a dinner with these two Chinese doctors, and, like, they were talking about this, like, the fact that the Chinese um, government had said they're no longer going to use prisoner organs. And then one of the doctors said to the others, the other, we can't use prisoner organs. And the other doctor said no. And then the other doctor was like, what about prisoners of conscience? What? And the other doctor was like, no, can't use those anymore either. And then wow. she overheard, she heard them say this in front of her. And then she went to her editors and was like, at the New York Times, I would like to look into this forced organ harvesting thing because I think, you know, th- there's, I heard, overheard this conversation. There's something weird with the numbers. Like, I would like to look into the story. And she was, discouraged from looking into the story she was told is there really anything new here also you know the people who talk about organ harvesting are on the outer fringes of advocacy yeah like a nice way of saying that these are only like crackpot conspiracy theorists people who believe in this and so she was about that discouraged from looking into this the new york times still has not covered the tribunal as far as i've seen and then um, basically she also thinks that bringing this up uh, was one of the reasons she didn't get a promotion later 
because her editors like were so upset about this. It's how the game is played at these media companies. Don't rock the boat. We want to make we want to make money. So it, look, it, you know, especially right now in media, one of the one of the, the stories we covered the other day is that CNN's president Jeff Zucker is probably going to quit. I mean, he's thinking about it. You know, they say it's because he's having a, a a bit of a fight with his boss. But come on, no Trump, no ratings. They found a, a really really easy path that was only somewhat controversial. You're not going to make any of your advertisers angry. You're not going to make any any foreign countries angry. You're not going to risk your circulation in certain places. If you just rag on Trump 24-7, you'll make money. Easiest path to cash. No no real journalism required. And that's what we ended up with. Well, so this is great. If they collapse, that means people will only have Tim Casp and China Uncensored. I, I think that's – uh, well, I think, I think what's going to happen, which uh, interestingly, these media companies have, were, were on the verge of death before Trump. Uh, when Trump came in, it gave them something to do. Now I think we're going to see some kind of rebalancing between mainstream narratives and independent media. So what this means, I guess, ultimately, is that independent channels will have much more influence in the news cycle. The New York Times has been doing really, really well. CNN, MSNBC, and these other networks are going to collapse. And that means those airport news channels won't have that, that, that power. So this could be a good thing. So maybe it's not not over entirely. But I do think... Seeing, the, you know, I think the, the Democrats are going to take Georgia. Uh, Trump's not on the ticket. And for without, the Senate, you mean. For the Senate, right. Without uh, Donald Trump on the ticket, Trump supporters are not going to back Mitch McConnell and the Republicans. The Republicans certainly will. Trump supporters are telling Mitch, GTFO. So if the Democrats end up taking everything and we have a president who is, in my opinion, you know, compromised by China, but at the very least, we'll call him sympathetic based on the people you mentioned that he surrounds himself with. I think China's, China's going to get carte blanche. They're going to do what they want. And the U.S. won't stand in their way. If anything, U.S. is going to help them. The New York Times just uh, put out a piece today about how to reset the relationship with China. Yeah. And it was full of um, advice from people from Goldman Sachs and Citigroup oh, and wonderful. Huawei. And Huawei, yeah. yeah. You, do you, know, you know, one of the things that sparked the Russiagate investigation was, uh, I could be wrong about this, but it was Michael Flynn. I think he was talking to Sally Yates. And he said he didn't think Russia was our greatest adversary. He thought China was. And that alarm bells, oh, no, oh, no, someone's bad-mouthing China. We, we, we must stop them because everyone knows it's actually Russia. Yeah, Biden has talked about how he views Russia as the bigger threat. We have this, this, the biggest hack, I guess, in, in history. And immediately they knew it was Russia. They're calling it a digital Pearl Harbor. This is what the media is saying. The cyber equivalent of Pearl Harbor just happened. That's what they're saying. And it was Russia who did it. Now, we've seen no evidence. We've seen nothing to indicate we've actually been hacked other than they told us that's what happened. And the many people who work or who held stock at SolarWinds, the company that was hacked, sold off a large portion of that stock just before the news broke. So perhaps something happened. But now what? We're going to be marching into a war with Russia? Over what? Natural gas? I don't know. Meanwhile, the actual threat is China. And it's, and it's seemingly going to be ignored by this incoming administration. I think the Trump administration is trying to do, especially the State Department, uh, is trying to do as much as they can. Like, that would be hard for the Biden administration to reverse. Um, one of the things about the AI thing that Luke was talking about is uh, after the Trump administration started banning uh, Chinese tech companies from getting U.S. technology, like semiconductor technology, the the chip technology, it actually crippled Huawei at ZTE and a lot of these uh, companies, SMIC is one of the ones that they're putting on the Commerce Department blacklist today. Uh, and that's China's biggest chip manufacturer, but they don't have the technology like they cannot make the chips as advanced as the US chips are. 
So it actually has slowed them down a lot in terms of being able to develop these like supercomputers and things like that. But on the other hand, we had um, U.S. companies who were before this completely like bringing their technology to these Chinese companies. Like a few U.S. companies got in trouble for um, providing technology to uh, that was powering this huge Chinese supercomputer center that was basically running 24-7 surveillance in Xinjiang. Well, part of the problem is because uh, they think they're doing business with civilian, you know, private companies in China. But China has a specific civil military fusion, they call it, where basically every company, private or whatever, is has to help the Chinese Communist Party. So yeah. we, there is no separation between the party mm. and uh, private individuals, private companies. Um, I, I think the distinctions between authoritarianism is... is mostly pointless when we say communist or fascist or Nazi or whatever. The real problem is always authoritarian because they function in so in, in, in much the same way. Hmm. We get into arguments over, but was their economic system based upon, you know, no, 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 that, that's pointless. The party tells the industries what to do. The party tells the people what to do. It's Power. authoritarianism. Exactly. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> the real end risk is not, is not necessarily that the Chinese Communist Party is going to completely take over the world or the United States. As Luke was saying, the Communist Party is actually horribly corrupt. It's built on a very shaky foundation. I think what the biggest risk is if we don't stand up now and get more in bed with the Chinese Communist Party. When it collapses, we'll be so tied to that that it will just have a ripple effect. We saw what happened with uh, the coronavirus, how there was, there was just things we couldn't get. Vitamin C. Yeah. And, and uh, like Italy, one of the first countries to get it really badly outside China, has mm -hmm. a lot of ties to China. Uh, economic ties economic, and also yeah. factories with made in Italy labels that are specifically done through she went there. I wow. went to some of those uh, factories yeah. in a city called Prado, which yeah. is largely Chinese now, and there are sweatshops in the back alleys. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the Chinese are literally importing slave factories to Italy so they can have made in Italy products <laughs> stamped wow. legally. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is one of the reasons why they said that the coronavirus spread so vastly and so fast in Italy. It was because of this program of slave workers going back and forth. And Italy wow. was the first Western country to get involved in the yeah. Belt and Road Initiative, and so they were the government was very reluctant to oh, criticize. Yeah. We didn't even talk about Belt and Road, which is oh, a no. huge That's way a huge that they're trying, they're kind of taking over too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is also another example of what uh, Di Dongsheng was saying. Even this Belt and Road Initiative, which is roughly an infrastructure investment around the world, it still operates in U.S. dollars. So that's a lot of power the United States still has. But if everything is either UN or whatever digital currency the Chinese Communist Party is trying to run out with, then we're going to lose that power. Yeah. And then the U.S. dollar is going to start losing uh, a lot of value. And then we start seeing a ripple effect where other countries start walking away from it. Then we get hyperinflation as the U.S. struggles to pay off its debts by printing money in quantitative easing type, type programs. And then we start shuffling dollar bills into the gutter, figuratively yeah. like we saw in Weimar, Germany. And then the people who bought uh, cryptocurrency and other hard goods will be safe to a certain degree. Are you saying buy Bitcoin? Not necessarily. I think people are obsessed with it uh, because... You know, uh, it's it's useful, it's valuable, and it's scarce and can only become more scarce. But I, I always tell people, if you think that we're coming to a point of hyperinflation where you're not going to be able to buy anything, what makes you think anyone's going to want your Bitcoin? If I'm starving and, and dehydrated, I'm going to be like, get away from me, and I'm going to run towards the guy who's got a bottle of water. So I always tell people, invest in things. Here, here's, here's what I was telling, uh, I was telling Ian earlier, this, earlier today. Think about 
the most common thing you use throughout the day and most people use that is the hardest to produce? Whatever that might be, I'm not entirely sure. Perhaps antiseptics. That's kind of what we're thinking of. Smooth jazz. Smooth jazz is right. You know, when the apocalypse (laughs) happens, there's going to be a hot demand for that smooth jazz. Clean Mm -hmm. drinking water. Perhaps. But, 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 you know, uh, I think what is hard to produce, extremely important and used on a day-to-day basis, antiseptics. That's the first thing I thought of. Uh, I don't, I don't know if anybody at the top of their head could tell you how to make alcohol. Yeah, anything chemical. Like actual, like pure ethanol to clean wounds, clean Mm. your hands and, and uh, you could you could stub your toe out in the woods and lose your foot, lose your leg, or die from well, this goes back shock. to what we were talking about earlier, where people need to start investing in their communities. Yeah, the more sufficient, self sufficient a community is, uh, that will be that's huge. Yep, and we won't be as dependent on a hostile foreign regime. Yeah, that will use the power specifically to like. Uh, today, the news came out that Turkey is taking twenty million doses of vaccines from China, and they also, in the same, uh, like the Chinese state were meeting in the same announcement, said that Turkey also said that they, you know, approve of China's counter like counter terrorism efforts and that shouldn't be politicized. And Turkey will not allow anybody within its borders to, talk, like, you know, upset Chinese sovereignty. And what that means is they're going after the Uyghurs because Turkey has the largest population of Uyghur exiles. In Uyghurs the world. are a Turkic. So, minority. so uh, I, I heard a lot that we get our medication. Our, our medications are made in China. Mm-hmm. Is is that true? Like the, the Chinese will manufacture, say, amoxicillin tablets. Do we still use amoxicillin? Yeah, no. for tetracycline. Do they make the tetracycline for a lot of the cheaper ones? Yes. Um, for expensive pharmaceuticals or like more complicated pharmaceuticals, we actually mostly manufacture them in the U.S. But a lot of the cheaper, like generic, like what you're talking about, antibiotics, they right. come from China, or a lot of times the raw ingredients from the, for those come from China. If, uh, so uh, I think we still use tetracycline, right? That's a common antibiotic. I think so. Uh, for something, let's, 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 let's talk about like a generic medication that's very common. When it's manufactured in China and brought here, does it go through a rigor- rigorous molecular analysis to make sure what's in that is actually what they claim it is? Well, if there was a situation where they were actually exporting like trash that was actually killing americans they they, that would be a huge issue but you look at the strategy of china it's not to come in marching with weapons and shooting people down it's to subvert so if they could put something that let's say there's an ingredient they could add in a very a small dose let's say we're producing these genetics that are used you know maybe by you know a hundred thousand people per day across the united or a hundred thousand people per week across the united states we had an an ingredient at a a ratio of 0.5 percent which will create a mortality in the u.s of 0.1 percent Per you know you, you, see, you see what I'm saying? I, see what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's an it's they, a attrition game. They've talked about unrestricted warfare, which is basically war by other means. You don't use troops. Uh, everything is kind of on the table. This was this was what they were talking about. Drug warfare is on the table. If, if drug I, warfare is right, on the right. table. Uh, so so yeah. a lot of the drugs in the U.S. are made in China and shipped here like hard illicit drugs that that kill people. Fentanyl. Where is over the fentanyl, the opioid? I think yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. huge thing. And you know they have total government surveillance but they somehow don't know when factories are sending fentanyl right. to the u.s and <laughs> or technically through to mexico which then so brings it to the u.s they, you know, there's connections to the mexican I, I, cartels i wonder if uh you know if it's something that i can think about the top of my head certainly the chinese communist party has had meetings where they're like can we add something at a very small dose that would go unnoticed these medications that would create a mortality rate negligible but or are unnoticeable but not unneglig but not negligible to to us I think that would be hard for them to do. I wouldn't say that they wouldn't try to do something like that. But um, the danger is in that being discovered and the backlash being so because like you look at what they've done with the they tried this whole mask diplomacy thing 
a few months ago where they were like, oh, we are going to send masks like, uh, you know, KN95s for the coronavirus to all these different countries around the world. And they were uh, bonked. And, tech, and tests. And they were, you know, and there was a huge backlash. So that was bad for them to have yeah. like the quality thing. So if it's like if it if it's like oh my gosh, drugs from China are are faulty, then th- that would be worse for them. But what if they nobody have... noticed? Well, I think the point Shelley is making is that that's still a risk of being right. exposed versus like all the other ways that they are very successful at subverting the United States, like just just buy off Wall Street or buy off the incoming president. You know, you know they start <laughs> <laughs> or go after his crackhead son. Yeah, I mean that's the like they'll do. They definitely target family members of politicians. They definitely target they they'll target like small time mayors or you know state senators. Or yeah, whatever. we just heard that no recently. One is small yeah, enough. yeah, no one yeah, like they, no. they they'll try anybody. Even yeah. even even the most insignificant politician you could think of could be sleeping with a Chinese spy, like somebody who has no merit or value to the political system. Maybe a congressman from California. A dopey-looking one with blonde hair. Yeah. Who farted on camera once. Yeah. <laughs> you get, you hey, get, even a great man like Rudy Giuliani farted on camera. Oh, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. And my, oh, man, do you see when he blew his nose oh, no. and then wiped his face? <gasps> Swalwell with the, or no. Giuliani? Giuliani. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, no. the congressman we're talking about was Swalwell, who's, who was banging the Chinese spy. And, uh, yeah. Allegedly. Well, allegedly. actually, I don't even know if that's allegedly. Anymore. That's well, that true. wasn't in the Axios article. I think that oh, yeah, was like a later... Later accusation. He's yeah. not denying it, which no, is important true. to understand here. But one thing that you brought up that I think is really worth considering is China's relationship with other countries. You specifically brought up Turkey, but I really wanted to talk about Russia because there's many official and unofficial alliances that they have with Russia, which again, now Biden is kind of pointing as the main geopolitical foe to the United States. But we also have to understand geopolitically on the world stage, Russia and China have always been together especially when it comes to significant moves against the U.S. dollar, and especially when it comes to countering American foreign policy, like with Iran, Syria, Iraq. They get involved, and they work together against U.S. interests together. So uh, how do you see this kind of working out if the United States pushes towards a bigger conflict with Russia? How do you see China being involved in that? Well, uh, I think a, a year or two ago, Xi Jinping actually gave Putin a friendship medal. You can look it up. It's a very nice. Aww. Was it like a heart? And it was like half the heart? It and was like this it was big glorious, gold, yeah. like, like all these medals all the way down. It wow. was they, insane. They do wow. these weird things where like she will go to Russia and have like caviar or Putin will come to China and they'll like have Putin make a dumpling. And they, um, they, last time Xi Jinping went to, Russia, they had like Xi Jinping's favorite ice cream. Remember this? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That, that like the last time he had come to Russia, he'd like said this ice cream is great. So they had like buckets of this ice Which cream. Which is for why him. Trump gave Xi Jinping the best chocolate cake ever. Oh, Remember that when he went to Mar-a-Lago, it was the best uh, cake. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. But I think yeah. in terms of China and Russia, they will always stand together against the U.S. Even if they do like, kind of hate each other, they do kind of hate each other. The, you know that that's the whole Nixon thing where he was like, yeah. well, they've split. So, um, but like. They will always stand, like in the UN, in any international body, they will unite to stand against the US. But they're also yeah. doing a sharing of technology and sharing of uh, their military with specific drills that they conduct together as they're, you know, working in cohesion many times as well, which I think is something significant that we should really also look out for as well. I mean, but the Chinese military is also working with the Canadian military. So. Yes, they are. Yes. Wow. Justin, Justin Trudeau, yeah. the prime minister who said that he worshipped 
uh, and and admired the Chinese government for their efficiency to be able to turn the economy on the dime. Is now officially yeah, training Chinese soldiers in Canada well, right yeah. now. Well, that actually began in 2013 under the Conservative Party. Wow. Uh, what was the guy named Harper? Stephen Harper. Harper. Yeah. yeah. It does. It doesn't matter. The, these political parties. I don't know much about Canada, but I tell you, the Republicans mm-hmm. and the Democrats. Oh yeah, this was a sailing of Republicans and Democrats. Bush yep. messed it up. Clinton really messed it up. Bush, it's part two, messed it up. Obama messed it up. And so and I don't. Trump kind of went nuts Trump. on it. Well, I don't. I don't know if Trump did good or or did well if i'm being see proper but, but hold on you see china uh-huh. was like we can't tell what this guy's doing he's crazy and meanwhile trump was like going like ah, like moving in random directions and he's like if they can't tell what i'm doing they can't have uh-huh. a cohesive strategy against me well that's what i'm saying like i don't know if trump did well or if it's just in comparison to everything that came before it's like wow amazing <laughs> yeah like when you're like right, oh right. my god the yeah. u.s state department is actually talking about human rights abuses in china should that be shocking like should that yeah, really be yeah. like wow i can't believe they're actually doing something well, about it i mean the president we, we stormed the united- beaches you know, before the president of the United States can meet with Kim Jong Un, the insane dictator of North Korea, but he can't meet with the president of Taiwan. Yeah, that's that's geopolitics right now. Yep. Well, how about we go to super chats? See what the uh, the viewers have to say. If you haven't people. already smashed that like button, I see many people have noticed we have this cool, fancy new graphic that says "smash the like button" and share this video. Shelley and I have learned that we need to also encourage people to smash buttons well i i think i think people genuinely uh, aren't aware it's, it's like a metric youtube uses for recommendations they, they really it is do. important yeah and yeah. sharing also it's, it really is a huge help that's why I, I think i think they've sort of tried what youtube has tried backing away from the like button because there used to be these videos where like people would be like let's get 50 billion likes but they still do it, it does like the more likes it gets the more they'll share it in the, yeah. in the immediate so which is important because of all the things that youtube has openly said they're going to do they kind of hurt channels like your channel like our channel mm-hmm. so we got a, a great super chat here from rudy c winslow he says a cab are you guys familiar with a cab mm-hmm. well all communists are bad oh oh mm. <laughs> I, like I didn't know i didn't know that was yeah. uh, what it meant. i, I what see was the thing everywhere. about uh, communist was it communist bandits that oh uh, YouTube that youtube censored? was briefly censoring yeah in yeah. chinese but i didn't really know that term commun- communist bandit right yeah but that's a really old weird term I, but as great as i find it yeah. i keep meaning to use it more so uh, Eric Cecil says, my response to Andrew Yang's vaccination verification plan is that maybe we should start with requiring a driver's license when voting. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> Eddie Johnson says, I'm so excited that you have China Uncensored, but where's Matt? Oh, Matt. Uh, Matt is hard at work. We've left him <laughs> left him back writing scripts while we have fun here with Ooh, you, Tim. Being forced and you. to watch horrible things. Oh, interesting. Here's a good recommendation. Man of Culture says, hey, Tim, next time get America Uncovered on the show. That, that would be oh, hey, great. Hey, America yeah. Uncovered. I've heard about that show and its yes. handsome host. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, completely unsolicited, but I recommend you subscribe. The, the, the host who is uh, absolutely not you, of course. Is... No, because I host China Uncensored. That's right. right. Yes, yes. Chuck U. Farley says, Tim and Luke should do a tour with special guests like Jimmy Dore, Jason Burmes, Esai Morales, etc. Yeah, that'd be cool. Jimmy, Jimmy Dore is amazing. Jimmy Dore, he's got, he had a great rant about uh, the transfer of wealth that's going on with COVID and stuff. And he's a lefty guy, so he's yeah. very much for Medicare for all. But he's basically, he's pointing out the very important things that I think, doesn't matter if you're left or right. Yeah. They're extracting wealth, sending it up to the elites, etc. Yeah, and I worked with Jason Burmes before. He's a great guy. But what would we do? We're going to go on tour and just argue with each other, maybe? You get a big Class A camper. 
-hmm. We do this. We do our, our our standard YouTube programming from the camper as we drive across the country, and then do late night as we cancel each other out by screaming and being too loud yes and then saturday saturday or sunday night we do a special like we're here in cleveland we're doing a live show and we'll get a bit well you can't do that anymore because covid lockdown so wouldn't work we'll pull the the camper up into a random park and tell everybody to come and we'll put the speakers on blast ty chapman says tim ask about the chinese india conflict india is dominating last i heard oh dominating that's that's kind of a stretch uh that's that's a big topic. Um, so essentially what China is doing in India is the same as what it's done in the South China Sea, like salami slicing bit by bit. They'll like go a little bit further on a disputed border, build a base. And then like if Try you start to, to fight slowly back, take the territory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but India has been great about um, now recently, like banning a lot of Chinese apps. Uh, you've seen India joining the, the Quad is the great new uh, alliance that has been coming out, uh, which is an alliance between India, the U.S., uh, Japan and Australia. Interesting. And this basically, it began, it was Japan's idea like in 2007, 2008, and it basically died because no one wanted to stand up to China. In the past couple of years, it suddenly come back. So, yeah, India is definitely on the front line with the fight for the Chinese Communist Party. And they managed recently to take back some territory. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. But China has a thing called the string of pearls, uh, which is basically them making uh, not milit- not naval bases uh, all around the Indian Ocean, just potential ports. deep water ports. Yeah, ports. Oh, for, yes. You know, like in Pakistan. Yeah. Right, right. India's or, good neighbor, Pakistan. Or Sri Lanka. Or Sri Lanka. Yeah. Daniel Maxwell says in the third world in the third world third world countries China is doing exactly what the US was doing during the Cold War with the Soviet Union. The major difference is they are also trying to buy influence in the United States and they are succeeding at it. Yep. Zachary Pasquale says, "Chris, what do you think is the biggest most long-term repercussion for our country under a Biden administration in terms of our unofficial Cold War with China?" Well, a lot of people are encouraging Biden to do a reset, a China reset. If that happens, that's that's Bad for, as Tim said, liberal democracy around the world. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Shelley. Well, basically, yeah, like not standing up to China, um, kind of letting them walk all over uh, they, they the U.S. And, yeah, like they if they if we don't do something about it, not just economically, but geopolitically, like if we kind of go back to like engagement and we'll we don't want to. We don't want to make them mad. That is like the number you one can't, thing. You can't engage yeah. with a country. With concentration camps and forced organ harvesting and where having a brother or sister was illegal. Yes, correct. Mitchell says, Chris and Shelley are great guests. Their show led me to your show. Everyone keep up the good work. Appreciate it. Cliff Lee says, Chris, Shelley, I'm glad you finally made it on the show. Thanks for all your hard work in Hong Kong last year. Thank you. It's it's great to be on the show. I I had friends, a good friend, uh, Vince push me to get on your show so oh right on yeah, yeah. cool i mean we've been getting messages all the time recommending you guys saying you because we always talk about china it comes up you know yeah. and uh i guess you guys are the experts, are experts huh? i'm happy yeah. you guys are here i'm happy you're here <laughs> dak941 says look forward to the show every night thanks for all you do two questions uh what happened to the sig can someone come by to skate if properly vetted no need to be on the show just want to skate the answer to number two is yes you can um, we have two skate parks. We are going to be doing a vlog and we are going to be, I guess, legitimately a private location, but we're going to allow certain, you know, people to, to come hang out periodically. It just depends. Uh, once we get the proprietary website up, 
It's going to be over at TimCast.com. We're getting pretty close to, to launching it. Probably going to be like a membership thing. So there's going to be like a platinum tier members and we'll only have maybe like 10 of those available. And those are people who can like come and freely, you know, hang out at the, at the park or whatever. And it'll be like a vetted thing for sure. As for the SIG. Oh, man. I don't think anybody asked about Story, that. Yeah. Uh, never got it. Uh, with with all due respect and appreciation to the Crowder team for trying to get me this uh, SIG M400, which would have been awesome. It got sent to a location too far for me to actually go get it. And I was in New Jersey and considering the laws with New Jersey, it would have been I would I would just call it impossible. It would have required me to have canceled, a, a, you know, a portion of my day to drive an hour and a half there and an hour and a half back. And then I would have to wait five days, then drive an hour and a half there and an hour and a half back. And that was just completely impractical. So I never ended up getting it, unfortunately. And uh, that's that's it. No SIG. So, <sighs> but they, they tried. I, I, I have no idea what happened to it. I wonder if it just got sent back or something. So, but hey, it is what it is. You, sometimes you, you can't cry over a free gun you didn't get. All right, let's see. Kylo says, is the CCP attacking Canada and the U.S. simultaneously? Is this what soft war looks like? Oh, yeah. Canada is getting hit hard. Australia is getting hit hard. I would uh, say it's worse in Canada and Australia than it is in the U.S. That's true. Because the they're actually kind of afraid of the U.S. That's why U.S. is enemy number one. Uh, so Australia and Canada, they thought saw as like softer targets yep. that are weaker. Which is why they've kidnapped Canadian citizens. Yeah, basically. Really? Yeah. The two Michaels, Michael Cover and Michael Spaver. They've after, been in China for two years. Yeah, basically after Canada uh, arrested uh, the, the CFO of Huawei because of violations right. on U.S. sanctions on Iran, China in turn kidnapped two but Canadian citizens. They were in China. They were in China. They were okay, in okay. China. But yeah. they've essentially been held without any real charges. I think they've been caught, charged now with, with like, spying. spying. Yeah. Wow. But uh, yeah. They've been held for two years now and basically made it very clear to the Canadian government that if they release the CFO of Huawei... Then these two Michaels get released. Yeah. Trudeau recently said he's hopeful the situation will be resolved. Uh-huh. Hayden says it passed by a while back with little attention because of the news cycle speed. But Cocaine Mitch's wife, Elaine, is from a family that runs a shipping company where the ships are built in China with funding from the CCP and ship goods to China. Elaine, secretary of transportation under Trump. Yep, I was talking talking about that that and sharing the article right before uh, the the show began and even a couple days ago when Mitch McConnell came up specifically blocking uh, Trump and, of course, the election telling the senators not to challenge it. We were in D.C. a couple years ago at a think tank event and somebody brought up Elaine Chao uh, and her and everybody kind of laughed because everybody knew that her family had these close ties to the Chinese Communist Party, but also knew that Washington wasn't going to do anything about it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Rita Ho says TSMC is a Taiwanese company and recorded number one, 53.9%, in global semiconductor foundry market, while Samsung occupied only 17.4%. How would this affect the 3C products worldwide when weak Biden let China take over Taiwan? Everything's going to become more expensive. That's Taiwan maybe right cheaper, now, actually. Yeah, Taiwan right now is really trying to uh, market itself as a place where, like, high-quality, high-tech can be made, um, especially as they're hoping as people realize that you can't trust the stuff from China. But we'll yeah, see I mean, TSMC had a problem last year where they there were Chinese spies found in the company who were stealing the intellectual property and bringing it to China. Yeah, but um, the thing is that Taiwan and you, the U.S., are both better at semiconductor chips than china so if with the if we can stop china from getting the technology it'll slow them down a lot yeah 
Chris Knoll says, on the subject of peaceful divorce, how would this affect global politics and more specifically dealing with China? I think a split would only help China's ability to assert its will on the world. What do you guys think? Uh, yes, obviously. If the U.S. broke into two different countries, like what, was it, what are they called? The United States of Canada and Jesus Land. Mm-hmm. Yes. There would mm-hmm. be no United States on the political stage at all. Treaties probably wouldn't exist anymore. And there'd have to be all new negotiations with everyone. And who would even control military bases? I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts or anything. Um, well, just uh, one thought. Uh, you know, obviously the EU and the Brexit was, uh, that's a big topic. But uh, I think to an extent that was advantageous to the Chinese Communist Party that yeah. the weaker the EU gets, uh, the less that is a power that can stand up to the Chinese Communist Party. And yeah. they are infiltrating the EU in other ways, particularly through Greece, Eastern nations. But yeah, desperate ones. Yeah. Carl Schneider says, Tim, I live in Cali and we got uh, and we all got an emergency alert on our phones today telling us emergency alert severe. All Bay Area counties now under stay at home order. COVID-19 is spreading rapidly. Well, there you go. The good news is, the good news is, everybody, calm down, calm down. We have a vaccine, okay? Now, the vaccine doesn't actually prevent you from getting the virus. We're not sure. This was, I think, I believe it was Dr. Vin Gupta said this on MSNBC. You still can spread it to others, we, we think, and you can't travel. You still got to wear a mask, and no, we're not going to be releasing the lockdown. And if there are any, uh, if there are any adverse effects, there, there's no... Uh, 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 the, the Pfizer Li- there's has, no liability the, to the big no, no they have companies. liability or government compensation yeah. Yes. yeah so it's it's all on you and so I just see that and I'm kind of like they've 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 bungled this quite a bit can I, mean, I it's, still it's, cower at home in fear you can't yes yes okay. if yes. your mask is on yes oh and you're well, and and obviously. if you're going to have anything to eat or drink make mm-hmm. sure you know you put the mask back on in between sips and bites. And That's in the good. shower. And, and maybe <laughs> having a, a nurse that is prone to, quote, fainting, as the official story is now, maybe not have her the representative to get the first jab. That, <laughs> you know, that, that is maybe, kind of weird. That, that is weird. That's I, have the official to, story I, I was wondering about this yeah. because there's a bunch of stories popping up about, you know, that, that drive fear. And, and some of them are kind of isolated incidents. Like we had an anaphylactic uh, uh, response to a medical worker in Alaska, one person. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, is that something that needs to be reported? Or is the media trying to just kind of like scare us all the time? They're it doesn't to sound well. That's one that person. Yeah. Sound yeah. like the media. So, but but I have to wonder. I'm like, don't they want the vaccine? And then I realized, no, they were the ones claiming Trump could never pull it off. They want ratings, right? Yeah. So now it's they they chose the woman who has a fainting disorder, and they give her the vaccine, and then she faints, and the video goes viral. Or they give an empty syringe to a guy. That was hard to watch. Well, I think I, I think the simple solution we talked about is he just accidentally reused the other needle. Yeah, That's even worse. I saw uh-huh. you saying that. Whatever Whoa. it is, whether if it's an incompetence or a conspiracy, it doesn't really build trust. Yeah, yep. no, it doesn't. says, "With China, it's all Sun Tzu, the art of war. Know your enemy. The CCP knows this well, and their tentacles are in everything in our country. Russia too, but not as prolific." We have adversaries that hate us, collectivists. I kind of uh, want to push back on that a little bit. I don't think people always compare it to Sun Tzu, the art of war. The Chinese Communist Party was a hard split from the the 5,000 years of Chinese culture. What uh, the tactics of the Chinese Communist Party are communist tactics that you've seen used around the world, the way they uh, flip and invert things. So I, I, I wouldn't say this is a result of Sun Tzu. This is specifically communist taxes that they learned from the Soviet Union and improved upon. It's one of those things where we don't really want to think of China as like a Marxist-Leninist Maoist country, but mm-hmm. it is. Uh, and because like also people care, like 
want to learn about Sun Tzu and Chinese culture, that's so much more fun to study than like Leninism, right? Yeah. 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 Jose Pereira says Portugal has a 500 year relationship with China. China has invested a lot of money in Portugal, the golden visa scheme. It even talked about China, China interest in the Lajes Air Base in the Azores. Hmm. Interesting. Trip to Portugal, shall I? Yeah, apparently. Balian says Alaska has a crap load of rare earth minerals, some that aren't anywhere else. Yet all the hippy-dippy tree lovers up there don't want us to mine them. Not in my backyard. Yeah, yep. In the meantime, we have these uh, you know, environmentalist climate change people who don't seem to care at all about China. Producing. Well, no, we need to work with China on climate change. That's right. That's one of the, th you know, that's the kind of line from the engagement people. Oh, yeah. That, like, mm -hmm. we need to work with them. Yeah. Get that Paris climate agreement. Yeah. Lucas Oberhauser says, really glad you had Chris and Shelly on tonight. I've been a big fan of China Uncensored for a long time now and has been a great way to keep up to date with what's been happening. The U.S. news never covers. It is really interesting, though. That it, it, it's, it's good and bad at the same time. It would be better if we had a media that told you things that actually were important across the board. But if people uh, are going to specific sources, like you watch my content and we talk about very specific things in politics, typically rag on the Democrats, and you need a healthy diet, you got to mix it up with something else. Mm. We don't really have, you turn the news and they'll give you, you know, five minutes of each major segment anymore. Maybe that's not even the best thing. But then maybe people only hear the news about one thing and... Maybe it's better to be more uh, well-versed on single issues than to be only knowing a, a little bit about a bunch of things, perhaps. Good argument. Well, I could go either way, I guess. Mm -hmm. Sombrero Cat LLC says, Tim, you need to have Joshua Phillip, too. He made a great documentary about the CCP connections with the election. Great show, as always. We will look into it. Isaac Castillo says, everyone exclaim Shelly to show appreciation. <laughs> there you go. Shelly! <laughs> Texas Ranger says Falun Gong is a cult, according to my Chinese-American friend. The People's Republic of China is an evil, godless empire bent on world domination. Okay. I guess he doesn't like either of them, huh? The, the cult thing was actually something that they managed to use in Chinese when they first started going after uh, Falun Gong. They didn't call it a cult. Uh, they yeah. called it a heterodox organization, which is oh. anything like that the government doesn't approve, but... Cult in English sounds so much better and snappier and makes people, like, hate it. Yeah, like how Uyghurs went from, like, splittists to terrorists. Yes, basically. Yeah. Mm. Jacob Meyer says, love you, Chris, and I watch China Uncensored every day. Thank you for doing what you do. Thanks. I don't know how people like me would ever know what's going on if you weren't there doing the best damn reporting I've ever seen. Oh, oh hey, Tim. <laughs> yep, I'm just here. <laughs> just the host. Rain says, I'm so glad you have these guys on. I've watched China Uncensored on and off for years, and hearing them in conversation, it helps a uh, helps out a lot of context. There you awesome. go. Very cool. Drizzt says, Obama threw our oath to help Ukraine when Russia invaded them. So I'm sadly not surprised about Southeast Asia. That's a good point, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brewmaster Monk says, a hot war would be a useful way for China to deal with its gender imbalance, especially if they think their liberalization is inevitable anyways. The one way they actually are dealing with the gender imbalance is the Belt and Road Initiative, because they can export all of these young men wow. who are not like can't find jobs or, you know, wives and like, you know, send them to Africa or South America and they can go build the roads there. Wow. Yeah. Ted says, Chris, I've been following your show for years and I've been asking Tim in the chats for weeks to have you on. And I'm so glad it happened. Chris, Shelley, Tim, Lids, I love you guys. And I've been sharing your content a lot. Really Ooh, appreciate it. Yeah. What about me? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, Luke is a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I needed that. Thank you. Chris. Yeah, Appreciate yeah. that. 
not good at username says Duterte is making a big mistake ending Philippines relations with the US and getting closer with China. Talk about independency. Yeah, I think Duterte definitely when he was campaigning, he was like, I'm going to stand up to China. And then when he got into power, he was immediately like, the Philippines could be another Chinese province. Yeah. Uh-huh. And no. we haven't even talked about all the horrible things that are happening in South Korea right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, uh-huh. Waffles Sensei says, hey, Tim, don't you think it's really weird the narrative was set so fast to blame Russia for the cyber attacks? Could be true. But I think in the long run, we will need Russia as an ally and an enemy for the days ahead. I believe Trump understood this, too. That's what I thought. Perhaps. I do think them immediately coming out being like, it's cyber Pearl Harbor and Russia did it. I'm like, okay, well, we need to have like hearings or something or some legitimate news coverage, not from someone I don't trust. China has hacked the U.S. a lot in the past. And we've not done, yeah, we've not done anything about that, huh? They're probably hacking us right now as we speak in in many this ways. Podcast? Oh, we didn't even talk no. about <laughs> Zoom. Not Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Zoom. Yeah, that was a big story. That uh, the Department of Justice just unsealed an arrest warrant for like a Chinese Zoom executive for literally taking uh, user data from the U.S. and giving it to the Chinese government. Wow. Uh, and so Yeesh. that's when everybody was like, Zoom is. Like, it's kind of sketchy because it has, you know, all the stuff in China and the servers in China. Should we be worried about it? The answer was obvious. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cameron Ham says China's spy list leaked and two days later, our entire government was hacked and they blame Russia. It's clear uh-huh. it was China. Well, the hack it happened nine months ago. And I believe that was under uh, Chris Krebs, who was recently fired by Trump. Oh, but he told me it was very secure. He said we had this most secure election ever. And he didn't even realize the biggest hack had uh-huh. happened right under his nose. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there you go. Jessica says, really enjoy Luke on the live show and very excited for the future content you have planned. Keep doing what you're doing, Tim. I've learned so much to discover your channels. Thank you. Well, thank you for watching and your super chat helps sustain us. There you go, Luke. Yeah. Bill says, yes, an international investigation found based on Spanish sewer samples that COVID-19 was present at least six months before the fake outbreak. God forbid we use science, facts, and reason. Well, I don't know about all that, but thanks for the super chat. Well, there was some data and suggestions that this sickness was around far earlier than yeah. originally thought. So mm-hmm. the origin, we still don't know where it came from. We still don't have a patient zero. But magically, in six months, we have a rushed experimental vaccine that's going to fix everything. So that's great. But uh, what we do know is it definitely did not come from China. Definitely. Yeah, of, yeah. Course. Uh-huh. of course. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Crazy Man Jack says, the sickest thing I have ever seen was a video of a man boiling a dog alive, prodding with a stick to keep it in the walk. Supposedly, they believe the more pain they cause the animal, the better it tastes. Please ask your guests why this is a thing. Is that a thing? It's, well, there's, overall, the Chinese people do not eat dogs. That has not really been a thing. Uh, except for like in extreme famine times. In Vietnam, they do, though, don't they? Well, it does happen in China. Yeah. Yeah. But there is this thing called like the, what was it? Yunnan Dog Meat meat Eating Festival. I forget where it is, but then, yeah, yeah, the specific festival is dedicated to eating dogs. And they do believe that the 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 more pain, pain, it was was kind of like a weird PR stunt by this town where they were like, we don't have anything we're known for. I know, we'll have a dog eating festival. Because it's not traditional in China to eat dogs at all. Yeah. I always I always thought people were worried that the pa- uh, fear and pain would make the meat taste bad, like it would cause chemical imbalances no. and like spikes. No, not, not according to these chefs. Well, Thanks. there you go. Ted, too, says, Chris Shelley, I'm a huge, huge longtime fan of your shows, of all your shows. I commented repeatedly asking Tim to get you. Is it, oh, this is, is this the same comment? Is it weird? Or is it YouTube just doubling it up? Mm. Many people have the same opinion about us. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. 
Sebastian Serva says, any opinion on the rip uh, on Ripple XRP or cryptocurrency in general and ISO 20022? Do you think this fits into the agenda of adapting digital currency, global capital, and maybe even the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution? I think Bitcoin's going to be worth an insane amount of money in a certain amount of time. I don't know exact, the exact time frame. There are some people predicting that when within the next year or two, uh, one Bitcoin will be three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, some people are saying by the end of this year, so in the next couple of weeks, we'll see it at twenty eight thousand, which is 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 easily doable. I mean, it's already at twenty two or twenty three. It's been gone on a little bit. Uh, I do think a Bitcoin will be upwards of a million dollars at some point. Just really? Be, yeah, but but you have to think about it. It's not a bold prediction. The uh, bitcoins can only disappear. So I I actually had a computer with some coins on it a long time ago. Got destroyed. Those coins are gone. You can't mm. bring them back. So so long as there's a finite amount of the coins, but the utility remains and people are holding it, the more people who want to buy it that exist, but the shrinking supply means the price can only go up in the long run. Unless of course people ultimately just abandon it because they don't want it. I really don't think that'll be that would be the case because. There's, there's a real utility in it in transferring, you know, wealth and value very quickly. So I ultimately think a Bitcoin will be worth more than a million. I mean, if, if, if Bitcoin remains the dominant most, you know, coin that people have confident in cryptocurrency, then at a certain point, the currency will become more and more scarce, but more and more valuable. Mm-hmm. More people want it. Less of it exists. The trajectory is just straight up. If you want to use it for some utility purpose, like if I'm a transfer you know, hundred bucks to Luke. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the value of the currency. I'll buy a hundred worth of hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, send it to Luke, and he'll sell it all within a split second. So it's almost like a a, a value protocol. You've been using that with the people you've been working with in like Europe, right? Crypto? Uh, well, like paying people like that? No, 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 no. Oh. No, I just people. I, the, the people I've paid have always been just the regular old way. Oh, it's like you know PayPal or something. Who am I thinking of? I don't know. But if someone wants to buy that, the people who are holding it are essentially holding that service. You know, so if you're like, hey, I need to buy some coins sent to my buddy, it's like, then the person who has it can charge whatever they want. But you don't care. You're like, I want $100 worth. Hmm. Okay, well, I'll give you one. You can sell it for one. Okay. So whatever the value is, I think ultimately it'll just keep going up. But maybe not. I don't know. I, th- I think it ultimately will because it's everything global elites and special interests want. Completely traceable. I was, we, we, were, we were talking about this earlier. Andrew Yang posted, is there a way we can check to see if everybody's been vaccinated, right? I'll tell you what the, what, what I'm, what I'm surprised they haven't already done is a cryptocurrency for tracking vaccinations and contact tracing. Cause think about it. You'll have a public ledger. They can see if you've been vaccinated. Why are you giving them ideas? I'm not, I don't know. Cause I'm sure they had the idea already. Oh, maybe not. Whatever. It's a good idea. Uh, I mean, I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a night, it's a nightmarish scenario. It's a mass surveillance. But if you think about how contact tracing works, you go to a restaurant and they're saying they're going to scan your barcode or whatever. Mm-hmm. Imagine if it was all just on the blockchain. Everything just, you know. I actually think that'd probably be bad for them. That's probably why they didn't do it. They want the proprietary information, tracking all your information, knowing everything about you and not letting anyone see it. So they don't want it publicly on the blockchain. All right, let's see what we got here. Bandrew Scott says, Chris and Shelley. Short of sharing China uncensored with everyone we know, what can we do to help fight the human rights abuses in China? Limit purchases of products made in China or something else? We get that question a lot. Uh, I mean, definitely sharing the episode is good. I'm not saying that just for self-interest, but like the more people who are aware is it's really important. But, you know, like study Chinese in school, get involved in think think tanks, get involved in politics. Uh, We need people who know what's going on in positions of power. 
I mean, that's a long-term thing. But yeah, it's pretty important because you have like 30 years of this engagement school coming through now, mm-hmm. right? Where people are still, they're going they're to like Georgetown or you're going to like these places where all they teach is that they don't teach about China's, uh, you know, political warfare or their unrestricted warfare. Oh, no, they teach it that America is bad and racist. Yeah, so you you have these people who are not like, and then they get into positions of power. So it's pretty important that, you know, people understand what's happening. Even in the military, it's an issue. So join the military. I think that, you know, limiting things that you buy from China is a help. Sometimes it is almost impossible. It's true. But, um, yeah, I try to do that whenever possible. Yeah. Douglas says, Paul Revere Award for China Uncensored. Ooh, well, there you go. I like awards. Lone Wolf says, great show, Tim and gang. I used to play PUBG on PC, but had to stop playing because Chinese players would fill NA servers and use cheats and hacks. 90% of banned players were Chinese. Cheating and abusing the system in, is the CCP way. World of Warcraft had a thing for a while where there were Chinese gold farms. Do you guys know anything about, about You that. guys know anything about World of Warcraft? So uh, you're playing World of Warcraft. This is back in the day, way back in the day, because things are different now. You can just buy gold for your character through a system they've created. Back in the day, you know, when I was playing World of Warcraft in like 06, you would you go around. It's called grinding. You're killing yeah. monsters, and then you, you get their stuff, and you sell it to the vendors, and you get copper and silver and gold. But some players were rich, and they didn't want to have to actually play the game to play the game. They wanted the good stuff now, and they needed money to get it. So in China, people would play the game and just go around just grinding and killing monsters and it was extremely tedious work and then you could go on these websites pay money and then they would mail you in game the currency wow yeah video game slave labor yep and it was it was against the rules and uh, they, a lot of people got scammed and their characters and their accounts got stolen and there were reports where people were like i was buying gold and now my account is gone and they destroyed everything say like, yep everything you've ever, you've played for your game's gone Kind of exactly what's happening with American companies going into China. Yeah, oh, that's of. the name of the game. Oh, wow. Don Paulson says, hi, Chris. Is there any kind of push to create some form of civilian defense force in Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? I love your show. Oh, the Taiwan already has a, a pretty robust military, especially as uh, the U.S. over the past couple of years has been selling more and more weapons to Taiwan. So it would not be an easy invasion. Uh, Taiwan also has mandatory military service yeah. for all men. Yeah, they got uh, what's his name? Jin, not Jin Yong, huh? The guy we interviewed, the Joe Rogan of Taiwan, who said he would personally fight them. Oh, uh, Holger Chen. That's it. Yeah. Tito Latino says, and this is something we had a fact check, but I'm going to read it anyway. August ninth, twenty twenty, Wall Street Journal, U.S. NSA mentions China trying to hack U.S. Secretary of State voter rolls. Statement also said that China prefers that President Trump, a Republican, not win re-election. I believe that latter part is true for sure. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Unlix Go says, Tin Cap, what if someone bought BTC when it was 10000 for $1 and spent $1,000? Do the math. But it's like gold. Try to buy milk with it. Kind of tough. But it's just a story. Well, I almost bought about 6500 Bitcoin in 2011. My friend was like, don't do it, man. It's, it's like, what is... This was back in the day they had this thing called the Bitcoin faucet. Where it would give it, I think, uh, 0.05 Bitcoin for free every like 10 minutes. And you could just like put in your address or whatever and then you just get it. And so I was like, huh, now I have like, you know, three cents worth of Bitcoin I can't do anything with. And I was like, this is dumb. But I ended up, ha- ended up with a few coins on a computer. Computer got destroyed in a fire. Those coins are gone forever. 
But my buddy said, my, my buddy, we were, we were looking at this website and it was like, you could buy, it was really hard to buy Bitcoin back then. You had to like directly message someone and then like physically give them money and then they would send, send the coins to your address. And it happened almost instantly because the blockchain was a lot smaller. My friend was like, dude, it's worthless. You can't do anything with it. It's probably some dude who just made some scam online. Hey, give me your money and I'll give you this number. And then next thing you know, it, it goes belly up and you lost your savings. And I was like, that's a good point, man. You know, the, the technology is interesting, but why would anyone use this? And, and it's hard I, to give up your savings at the time. And then I remember it was like uh, a year later, it was at like $35. And I was like, how much money would I would have had if I just bought it? Oh, you told me <laughs> I had to do it. And we were like, I was like, pulled the calculator. And then it just gets better every year. How much? I think it would be $145 million. However, people point out, dude, you would have sold a long time ago. You would have put in your, your five grand or whatever. And then, it, uh, you know, once it hit 20 bucks, you would have danced all the way to the bank. Sold it all out for a massive return. And I'm like... Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because, you know, it's just a smart thing to do, like any investment. Granted, if you, could go, if you were alive today, if you're alive today and you, you could go back in time, you'd be like, never sell. So think about that, you know, never selling. I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was like 2016, it hit like seven grand and everyone was like, this is ridiculous. It's too high. And then it fell down to like three grand. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you bought back then. You'd be very happy. Anyway, and if it goes to a million, Chris and Shelly, thanks so much for hanging out. Do you want to shout out your social pleasure. medias and your channels one more time for everybody? Yeah, you can follow China Uncensored on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I also recommend uh, that show, America Uncovered, by that other guy. Also on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and that one actually has a parlor account oh, as well. Interesting. Right on. And, uh, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter address is. S H E L Z H A N G Shelljong, uh, and we also have a podcast called China Unscripted that we're all in. So, wow, yeah, cool. cool. Yeah. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Parlor at Timcast, and check out my other YouTube channels: YouTube.com/slash/Timcast and YouTube.com/slash/TimcastNews. If you aren't, check out the podcast. This podcast, Timcast IRL, on iTunes and Spotify. Leave us a good review. Give us those five stars because it really does help boost us up in those rank rankings. I think. And uh, if you are listening on those podcasts, do it, do it as well. Don't forget to like this uh, YouTube video and this channel. Subscribe to the notification bell. We are live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. We'll be back Monday. And, of course, you can follow at Luke Rutkowski, who's wearing a very spicy T-shirt. Well, I'm under Luke We Are Change on Venmo, Instagram, Cash App, Twitter. Thank you. You guys are being too nice to me. And, uh, yeah, coincidentally, again, I have another We Are Change T-shirt, which is a great conversation starter, which I love to wear publicly to bars and to other places where you get to talk to people, which you could get on teesprings.com forward slash stores forward slash We Are Change. Thank you, guys. And don't forget to follow at Sour Patch Lids, yes, who pushes all the buttons. Well. Right on, everybody. Again, thanks so much for, for hanging out. This was a great conversation, and we'll probably have you back on at some point. I'm sure the conversation around China will get spicier as time goes on. So <laughs> That was great. Uh, yeah. Lots of fun. And I, I can't believe I'm sitting in the chair that Alex Jones sat yeah, in. You right. are sitting. Is that why you picked that side? You're like, I want to sit in Jones' well, chair. Well, I can feel the residual male vitality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Michael uh, Malice left his super male vitality here. It's oh. just been sitting. I don't know what to do with it. So it's just on the table. 
People are walking out. Whenever, whenever someone comes in, I go, it's for you, actually. <laughs> and then I take it back. Michael, come get your super male vitality. <laughs> well, hey, instead of worshiping mangoes, we can worship Mike Malice's right. <laughs> super male vitality. Let's get a painting of the people holding it up. Yeah. And um, what's the what's the other one called? The brain blast? Is that what it is? Yeah, brain blast. Only? I don't know. <laughs> is that no, that's, that, that's the Jimmy Neutron thing. Anyway, thanks for hanging out, everybody. We'll be back Monday at 8 p.m. Uh, and we'll see you all then. Bye, guys.